What was the shtick this week, Chris? The shtick is that he invited his ghostwriter onto the podcast. Prepare to become space dust. Maybe Chris just uses you to like obfuscate his own potential hot takes, you know, temper it a little bit with, but it was my buddy Nate who said it though. I'm just sort of the messenger right now. I usually steal shit from him. So we have a symbiotic thing going. Console crusade podcast, EJ Olson, as always with Nick Durheim, <laughs> Chris Gilly for, do you guys uh, know I rock climb? Boy, have we heard. And joining us for the first time, Nathaniel Andalus. It's not over yet. All 20 of our listeners know you as uh, Chris's buddy, Nate. The podcast lore. We also know Chris also goes by Christopher, but from the family. So everyone's got different names for different people. You do, don't you? I do. Some of my campers call me Topher. With your consent or? Like that's your nickname on your little wood round that you wear around your neck? It's not that kind of camp, but yeah. Uh, I mean... Uh, yeah, some of the, the sixth through eighth graders, I tell them like first day of every week, I'm like, my name's Chris. You can call me Chris, Mr. Chris, Mr. Chris, teacher Chris. Like those are the things you can call me. And, uh, J JC was like, one of my favorite fucking students was like, can we call you Topher? I'm like, well, I mean, I guess that is the second half of my name. So like, yeah, sure. So there's like five or six of them who've come back that call me Topher. <laughs> I think it's endearing. That's pretty much the only thing I picture when I think of that name. Is Venom. Oh, <laughs> yes. The one true Venom. Eddie Block. The last couple weeks, we've had a lot to talk about, even though I feel like we start every episode saying, oh, not a lot to talk about this week. And then two and a half hours later, it's like, Jesus Christ. We're just going to take it nice and smooth today. We're going to start with what we've been playing. I know, Chris, you have a lot you want to talk about that you brought to the table this week. Nate, you inspired this rotation that Chris is doing. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a take I need to. To, to defend did not, <laughs> okay right off the bat, <laughs> right off the bat. Right. did not did not service me well the way you described that <laughs> he's like i just watch them on youtube and then i marked them as played the backlog's done let me just jump in this shit real quick <laughs> right. so um i've been a i've been a wow player for a long time world of warcraft right so i played um back in vanilla what 2004 2005 played pretty much non-stop a couple of breaks here and there and because of that, WoW really kind of killed consoles for oh, yeah. almost a decade and a half. And there's a whole bunch of shit I missed out. I knew about, you know, oh, yeah, Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'll play that sometime. Yeah, it's on the list. And that kept piling up, right? Then I started to think like, my God, I'm almost 40. I need to, I need to play these backlogged games or I'll never play them. And, and so I kind of wrote down this schedule where I could do... Um, just one hour a day, just an hour. You know, it's the same thing as watching an episode of something. Sometimes I'll go over an hour, but I'll uh, I'll play a game. And uh, I'll, I had a 14-day rotation for 14 different systems, basically catching up on anything I've always wanted to play or, um, or that I've been meaning to beat. And over the course of it, sometimes I'll come across a game where I'm just like, ah, oh, man, this is really good, but I really do not want to fucking spend an hour doing this. And if I died tomorrow, I will not regret not fucking beating bioshock 2 so <laughs> right. i put the fucking playthrough on on 1.5 speed and i'll just watch someone beat it in three hours and i'm like okay great it's in the it's in the data log now uh, sure I, I beat bioshock <laughs> 2 whatever and uh yeah that's uh it's been like that for almost two years now and i have like a huge amount like maybe 80 games that i've beaten or have at least tried and played that i never would have i've 
I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, life's going by so quick. I'll never get a chance to do this. So just, just made the schedule, stuck to it. And now it's just become, sometimes it feels like a chore, but now it's just become a thing where I can just get it done. And today's what? Uh, Monday. Today is, was PS5 day. Today's Ghost of Tsushima. So I got to get an hour of that after this. I think I likened it to reading multiple books at once, which is something that I cannot do. It's like I have to commit to one book at a time before bed. And if I get, start jumping around, it gets crazy. If I'm playing multiple games at once, it just doesn't work for me. So you're, you're going two weeks in between each game. At first, it, it I, I understand and it seems kind of daunting, but I mean, the human body's capable of some shit we don't even know about. So <laughs> I um, at first when I was doing it, I mean, I played some like uh, like I had some uh, prestige games. Like, let's say I had God of War going at the same as Ghost of Tsushima. It's the same as Spider-Man. It's the same as fucking, I don't know, uh, another big ass game with uh, Dark Souls, whatever. And so like. Oh my God, I'm pressing block when I should, when I'm supposed to be webbing, you know, like I was worried about that and it did come up a couple of times, but as I started getting more into it, the I, my body knew, like I could just hop on a Spider-Man I had played in two weeks and then my body fucking knew all the buttons. Sometimes you'll go to the, the controller list and be like, all right, how the, get the fucking L2 to parry? Uh, fucking demon souls, right? I quit. That's way too stressful for... Like I've got ADHD brain and I just, I have to really focus on focusing on one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just have to build up to that point back in like, I don't know, like 2015, maybe I was gamifying my backlog kind of like you're doing. I didn't have quite the routine, but I quickly ran into the wall of like, man, every day I get home and I have my three hours of leisure time and I'm making it so much work. And so then I just stopped but that also leads to not playing anything for months at a time. I haven't quite found the the balance, but sometimes I'll run into a game where I'm just like, I'll play more than an hour. Like Ghost of Tsushima is really good. I'm like 85 hours into that. Like I, I, I should have been done with that, but like, I'm really doing the breath of the wild thing. And I'm like looking, scanning, making all the fog of war go, making sure I got all the shit, collecting all the things. And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is, I, I want to enjoy my hour. And that's the key too. Like sometimes I'll, it'll be a day where I'm like, Ah, fuck it. Spyro day. Um, you know what? I have enough Spyro. Like I, it's a great game. I love <laughs> yeah. Spyro one, yeah. but I don't want to fucking hundred percent it or beat it. So I'll just leave it there for a vacation. It's going to sit on the fucking switch uh, menu. Are you on PlayStation? Are you a trophy hunter? Are you going for the hundred percent? It depends. Like I, the, I was an achievement sex worker in, um, world of Warcraft. So I, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Get those dailies, yo, man. Uh, but no, I just can't Your do reputation. it. Reputation, yeah, I can't do it anymore. Like it's some of them. Like if it's a, like a, a really like a game that I think is like really good, like Resident Evil Two, I might do that, you know. But uh, I'm I'm kind of busy. Like I got a million games to play. Right, but. right. Chris, what's your rotation day today? Are we eating into your rotation time now that we're sitting here recording? Uh, well, I had today off. Yeah, so I did my run of Hades today, um, and I'm so close to that. That that could honestly drop off at this point because I'm just I have three characters I need to get like one more affection point with, to, like max that bond, to, like forge a bond with them, and I have uh four or five like specific weapon upgrades that you can randomly get from Daedalus hammers uh, when you're making runs. Most of them are with the fucking shield, which I hate. I hate the way the shield plays. And so I've been like putting it off, but that's like it. I have like those two things in the list of uh, faded minor prophecies and a couple affection points. So if I really wanted to, I could stop doing that. 
But that's Monday. Tuesday's been Axiom Verge 2, which I've really enjoyed. Um, just like getting lost in a Metroidvania a little bit. And you're like, oh, I wonder what's over here. Like, oh, shit, that lets me move underwater. That's cool. Okay. Well, now I can go further underwater over there. And like, oh, fuck, like that lets me climb up walls. That's perfect. Now I can, I mean, you know, Metroid brain shit. Um, so I've loved diving into that. Um, Wednesday is supposed to be Borderlands, and I haven't started it yet, which is telling me it's probably not going to happen. Bro, you need a playgroup for Borderlands. It is just not a game to solo. Really? Getting a full group of four people and just looting and shooting, that's... I think I played through the first one and the second one, and we kind of tried to play the third one, but other games captured us, so we couldn't... Are you playing on PlayStation? You know the answer to that. You know I don't have my PlayStation up here. I'm just twisting the knife a little bit. Wait, so what are you playing Borderlands on? The Switch. It came out on the Switch? Yeah, it's all all of it. The whole series. Handsome collection. Yeah, I have the handsome collection. All right. Is it three also, or is it just one, two, and uh, the pre-sequel? That's one, two, and pre-sequel. I have to look at it. I don't think... on three. I'm quite sure I'm never going to get that far into the franchise, so I don't think it's going to matter for me. Sure. They're all the same game. Yeah. I can't remember if I played played that. Did I borrow your Borderlands? I don't I know. I borrowed I, my disc Borderlands at one point. Uh, should I play that shit? Should I throw that on the list, boys? It's a good multiplayer game. I don't know if it's... I mean, it's like Diablo, but with shooting. So if you want to do that like loot grind and get some purples, then it's it's a good one of those. The shooting is really good. And it is much more like Diablo than something like Destiny. I don't know if you got into the Destiny grind with Chris once upon a time, but everyone always likened the two. And now that I'm like pretty deep into Diablo 4 this week, I'm, I see the similarities, but I'm like, okay, it's much more Borderlands than it is Destiny. But I don't know. I, I never enjoyed them playing solo, but with a group of people. When I was in college, we would play like literally eight hours a day on the weekend, and it was just uh, it's a fun loop. I'm not a shooter person, but like I you know, I played Overwatch for a couple of years. But <laughs> a couple of years, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that game was such a just like let me just log on and shoot people real quick. Like this, yeah, this like what, popcorn. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it had its time, and I I think I got. Platinum, so just above average, and I had fun until I started just getting my ass stomped in, and I'm like, I don't right. play with these toxic people anymore. I hopped back into uh, Call of Duty Warzone today, the first one, and Warzone is as I know it is dead. Rebirth is gone. It's only the one big map, and it's only quads that you can play. But Brendan and I hopped in today, like right before we recorded the pod like i got I, I booted my laptop up and i'm like still shaking like from just the the heat of the battle <laughs> they really fucked up with warzone 2 man but getting back into that competitive scene it was like slipping into a warm bath i was like oh my god i remember what this feels like <laughs> nick what are you playing right now other than zelda <laughs> nothing i'm just still balls deep in zelda and i do not anticipate i'm gonna be playing anything else for maybe like another month I don't know. Like, I don't know how long it's going to take me to finish this. I'm probably just north of, I'd have to look at my switch, but 70 or 80 hours. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a job and a girlfriend and I like to spend time with both of those things and overrated. Take overrated, it from apparently. me. <laughs> yeah. EJ, the, yeah. the voice of reason, my North star. <laughs> EJ's like, quit your job, drop lens on her head and just, you know, play Zelda all fucking day. Now, I thought you were saying that Zelda's overrated, but. Either way, oh. I can't trust his opinion. <laughs> I just let Sarah read her books. She locks me in my office after 530. You don't notice because you wouldn't get up to leave anyway. 
No, ever since Warzone died, I've I've been pretty needy boyfriend. And she's like, will you go play some games so I can read, please? <laughs> sounds like y'all need a schedule. 14-day rotation. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're selling a book, like the 14-day plan. <laughs> just, play, just, just start easy. You know, first seven days, just get platformers, you know. Then you could maybe just one prestige game a week, you know. Yeah, I'm not doing a two weeker. I'm a one week rotation guy. I'm I'm get I'm dipping my feet because when I get back in the fall and all those PS5 games I've been buying and like the PS Plus Essential Double Plus Ultra, whatever the fuck it's called, like all the shit I could play on that, I'm gonna need two weeks. Like I think Survivor and Crisis Core Reunion and uh, Resident Evil 16. Four showed up today. I haven't bought Final Fantasy 16 yet. I need to buy that. Uh, I still haven't played uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2's coming out, so I gotta beat Spider-Man 1. You gotta get that Xbox to play Starfield? Yeah, god, fuck. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do about that. I have to play that game, but I don't want... I don't want them to be right about why they're buying these studios to be like, now you need a designated machine, fucker. Like, no, fuck you, but also, god damn it, I wanna play this fucking game. Chris, you wanted to chat about... You've been playing through Mega Man, correct? Oh, I have. That's my... That's been my Sunday... My Sunday game is I've been doing a Mega Man X uh, series run. Uh, and I know I talked I, I talked about Mega Man X2 in the last pod when we were doing Super Nintendo uh, Hidden Gems and how, how worthy a sequel that is. And I've already sort of like invested time and energy into that conversation, but really worthy sequel, like great bosses, great music, um, useful and interesting iterations on a lot of the stuff from Mega Man X. And uh, just a really nice, like, final sort of level. Yeah, it's memorable. It's great. Um, Mega Man X3 is just such a terrible fucking game. It's just such a disaster of a game. Uh, it, it feels, like, really, really unbalanced in terms of difficulty, where I'm, like, crawling through a stage, and I'm getting hit for literally, like, a third bar from common fucking enemies. And I'm like, how on earth does this make sense? Like skill, skill issue. issue. Is there an echo? <laughs> <laughs> Chris. An echoing truth is resonating in my ears. <laughs> so I'm getting it for a third bar by common enemies, which debatably is a skill issue. Debatably is a balance <laughs> problem. Who's to say? Have you, uh, have you tried jumping? It's only a balance issue and Chris has an issue with it when it's little baby EJ. It's a skill issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, that is, that is the lay of the land. That is correct. Uh, no. Um, so it feels really a balanced. I do not remember a single track music track from that entire fucking game. And I literally played it like a week and a half ago. Uh, the robot masters are fine. Like they're okay. Uh, but even less memorable than two, which was less memorable than one. Um, I think that their thinking behind here's how we're going to like think about level design is that I, I can't remember if it's the armor or the helmet, but you get one of those two pickups gives you a map of the whole stage. When you start the stage, on like grids with red dots where the hidden items are. They are really fucking obtuse. Like in, in Mega Man X, you could look at things that go like, that's pretty obvious. Like that's a thing that I'm going to be able to interact with. And in X2, even like, we, oh, I think it's, no, it's not Wheel Gator stage. I don't remember whose stage it is, but you use Wheel Gator's power to like eat through the floor to get down to get a power up. And that even I'm like, mm, that's like, that's, that's really, that's pretty obtuse. Uh, but an X-ray is just literally Zelda like, one bombing walls, basically. Exactly. And it's just it's just really 
not as elegantly designed because they give you the grid if you know where to find that power up. Otherwise, you're just wandering around in the dark. And I think that a lot of why the damage scale went so high is that the, again, helmet or chest piece, I don't remember which one, uh, passively heals you. If you stop your motion, you will just gradually restore health and it will fill your sub tanks. And it takes a, a long terrible time. idea. It is. What a fucking derail the momentum of your gamies. Let me just stand still and check my phone for 13 seconds. Yeah, even longer than that. It's literally like it takes like four or five seconds for it to start and it's bloop and you restore one pellet of health. And then I don't even remember that. I played X3 last year. It was on my thingy, but I I stopped and watched the playthrough of the Sigma stages. I'm like, I don't want to play this. Oh, my God. And perfect fucking segue. The Sigma fight in this game is just abject bullshit. Like. It is so fucking hard. It is so, 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 so fucking hard in a way that like the other Sigma fights, like they're difficult, but they're reasonably difficult. And this guy just, well, he's got like three phases. And then there's like a bonus phase. Maybe the bonus phase is the third phase where it's like little computer polygon head Sigma, like virus form Sigma is just chasing you while you are escaping lava that is filling up the room after you've done like two and a half phases of this boss fight. And you have to skip up the walls and they keep like pushing the ledges out further. So you have to do like wraparound ledge jumps. By the time I finally had his pattern figured out, I had, I had, I spent literally like an hour and a half, I think doing this boss fight as Nate can attest me just getting more and more angry and thinking about like, Oh, I'll turn on rookie hunter mode on the X collection and I'll like barely take any damage. I'm like, no, 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 God damn it. No. Like I refuse. I won't do it. I'm beating this fucking thing. And I died like three or four times on the escape before I finally was able to just literally have enough health to sit in the lava and keep taking damage until I could like jump around the last ledge and get out. I was like, this is so stupid, but thank fucking God that's done. And I could play Mega Man X4 the last two weekends, which is on our top 100 list. And for a good fucking reason, that game fucks. Was the difficulty spike in Mega Man 3 just a, a byproduct of changing a few little mechanics that they just, it was sort of the unintended consequences? Or was this a response to, I mean, Mega Man X is like, a, you know, it's a challenging game. Pretty easy for a Mega Man game. Well, that was my question. Was the X series looked at sort of baby mode versus the original Mega Man titles and that three was maybe a response to like ratcheting up the difficulty. I feel like they gave a, they gave you some different movement options and with dashing and wall climbing. So they, they had to like scale it to like make it. So like you, instead you're not just j dot jumping, you know? So it's like, you got other shit to do and more intricate patterns to memorize. And um, maybe they just kind of stop. I mean, these games came out really quick. If I remember, I was just going to say, I think they're like a year apart each. So by the time they got to three, they'd probably run out of ideas in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so here you are with these attack patterns that like are just uh, obnoxious and they didn't get time to actually make it more clean. They rely on the upward dash that you can do with the boots in X3 that you can you can air dash left, right or vertically. But there is a massive delay on the vertical dash where the animation kicks in of X like looking up, which is fucking cool. And then he boosts. But in that window, you just you're going to get fucking hit. You're, you're totally going to get fucking hit. And that's what they want you to do on that escape from computer virus Sigma. Um, also, to your to your question specifically. Yeah, there is definitely a camp of people that bitched about X2, especially the Sigma fight being too easy. And I think that they were like, OK, and <laughs> like we're going to make we're going to make the, the next one really, really, really fucking hard. But enter X4. 
Enter X4. Breath of Fresh Air, PlayStation 1 graphics, getting that like Capcom loading screen with all the little like cubes and the light like bouncing between all of them like gave me warm fuzzies, like took me right back to the basement of my house in Gresham. Uh, I'm like playing that game for the first time well after it had come out because, you know, broken stuff. Um, oh, my God. There's so much good shit in this game. Like the fact that you get like a whole X track and a whole zero track for the first time. Uh, the fact that all of Zero's uh, robot master weapon picks up pickups are like saber forms that are mapped to like a designated button besides his like standard saber. Uh, oh my god! And the fact that they didn't translate any of them, like left them all in Japanese, like what a giga chad move! It's just like Zero's like, yeah, these are my like my Japanese sword forms. I'm gonna shock the shit out of you and hit like five or six times with this absolutely broken ground uh special weapon attack yes i remember that being busted <laughs> yeah oh yeah you can literally just raijingeki and just like bap 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 like five or six times depending with on the hit sound just making each move sound like last like six seconds yeah and their frame <laughs> tanks so you can get out of the way of their next attack like oh oh and the yeah the the robot masters are great they're great like a lot of uh, my buddy nate and I, uh, he's here. Ha! Huh? Uh, Nate and I were talking about, um, like, cause I'm going to do the whole X, X through X eight this summer. Probably. Uh, I'm like, uh, okay, good sorry. luck with that. Like, <laughs> I've never played X seven and X eight. These will be brand new experiences for me. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm not expecting them to be great, but I have to, I have to know, uh, picking two robot masters from each game and then doing like, Here's X's like legacy track with like like an all star greatest hits and Zero's legacy track with all star greatest hits. Some games like X3, I'm sort of like, oh boy, like I have to pick two. <laughs> uh, yeah. X4, there's so many. Like, do I pick Magma Dragoon who has like this anime ass anime arc of like I just wanted to fight you, and he uses all of like reused moves from Street Fighter, so he's like shooting Hadoukens and sure you can trying to uppercut you, flame uppercut you. Uh, he's great. Split Mushroom is great and weird and, like, <laughs> challenging. Web Spider, like, multi-phase Mega Man X boss fights, like Morph Moth we talked about on the X2 uh, segment, but uh, Web Spider, like, coming down and, like, spreading web the spider. webs out, like, <laughs> like, moving all around, and there's, yeah, even, like, Storm Owl, where I'm like, okay, so you're, like, short, kind of out of shape, Storm Eagle, cool, but, like... Sir, he salutes. You put some respect on his name. Well, exactly. Like he's still, he's just such a dude and he, and, and the, the whole, you know, plot I'm using air quotes, which is like uh way thinner than I remember being as a kid when I thought that plot went so hard Um, of like Sigma pitting two factions of the Reploid like defense force ostensibly against each other. So you're fighting a bunch of dudes that like you probably worked with, you probably have like high esteem for. Yeah. I remember specifically the zero path, him having dialogue with Magma Dragoon before the boss fight, like yo, we were homies, we're on the same side. And it's like, no, not anymore. And it's like, I, I I, thought that was really cool and impactful as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. X4 is the first game I can remember that did that. I mean, I was, pre- I was probably six when I played this game for the first time, maybe seven. But the concept of playing as a different character with different powers and it changing the experience so dramatically, in my mind at the time anyway, playing Web Spider as Mega Man is so easy. You just spam him and he's dead. But you play a zero and you've got to, you're gambling. You got to get close and you got to, you know, slash into him and back off. And that fight is exponentially harder. 
that blew my mind. Just how, I mean, it's, it's two games, right? Even though all these levels are, are mostly the same. And, and obviously, like you said, Nick, yeah, seeing some of that stuff, how the narrative changes. I know we've always joked. We learned the word colonel from this game. Colonel. colonel. That's, how, yeah. that's how young <laughs> we were. That, like, that has stuck with me after all these years. Yeah. Dude, talk about of an era that no longer exists. I played this game for the first time. There was some 20-something, a married couple who lived next to my parents. Some firefighter and his wife, a couple of dogs. My parents were just like, yeah, go visit Nate and Debbie with their dogs and who were like boxers, like just a little kid going into a stranger's home. And he had this PlayStation and he would let me play the PlayStation. And one day, probably just to get rid of me so I wouldn't fucking come over anymore. He just gave me Mega Man X. He's like, take it home. It's yours. And that was like the coolest fucking thing for a six or seven year old kid. But like nowadays, bro, your kids ain't going over some stranger's house to play video games in their basement. That's a red flag. You're not going to lie. When you told that story, I pictured a very small little six-year-old with your hair and beard. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> not far not far off, honestly. More of a mullet, but close. Yeah. That, no no front teeth at all. Just just a gape in the, in the front. It also like dramatically broadened the lore of Mega Man X that they had been sort of teasing, at least in X3, after you've rezzed Zero in X2 and in X3. Technically speaking, you could play Zero in X3. You could call him into any stage, and he had way stronger uh, base weapon attacks than X did. But if he ran out of energy, then if he ran out of health, then you could never do it again. And he also wouldn't be present for uh, anything in the last couple stages, which would make them more difficult. Um, so they had hinted a little bit in X3 that like Zero is analogous to x but was created by dr wiley uh and then in x4 they like brought that to the forefront and we get so like a lore drop from sigma right before the final fight of like they found zero as a as a maverick when he had awakened um and he kind of fucked sigma shit up a little bit before sigma finally could take him out and so this tension of in the credits for x3 they're like x doesn't know it yet but his destiny is to destroy zero and you're like wait what the fuck and then in x4 it's like oh shit like this is like the legacy of these two, you know, geniuses, one good, one bad from the original Mega Man timeline. And now it's coming to a head. And I know in X5 it does, um, which I consider the end of the Mega Man X series because that's when I think when the producer left. I think that that is when the original the series producer for the X series left was after five. Is that the one where you had to beat it in three days or some shit? Some Majora's Mask shit. There's a timer in one of them. Yeah. Which X5 one is or that? X6. I can't remember. I think five, you blow up the space colony. It disseminates the Sigma virus everywhere. That's X5, right? Fuck. I don't know. I'll tell you in a week. (laughs) Uh, uh, But God, man, like, you know, kid me just love that stuff. And I like it now, too. It's not like as, you know, oh, my God, amazing. Especially like some of these animated uh, sequences with (laughs) like Australian voice actors. I'm like. Where did they get these people like Australia, presumably, but like, why are only some of them Australian and not all of them are Australian? And why can't I hear a fucking word that's coming out of their mouths a lot of the times? Like this was recorded in somebody's shower in like 10 minutes. Like it's so it's a like, go listen to it. It's funny. Like I was laughing a lot of the time. Like, man, I thought this was so cool when I was little. Like, what are we fighting for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's like zero and fighting Colonel and Iris is like, stop. You can't fight each other, brother. And Zero, I don't want you to. And uh, Zero's like, surrender your weapon. And then there's like this long shot on Colonel, and he goes, 
never. So quietly, you can literally like <laughs> barely fucking hear it. I lost my fucking mind. Like this is so funny. Um, yeah, man, it's great. But but also, you'd also get the cool side of that, which is you know Sigma going like, "I'm going to turn you into space dust." Before his health bar goes, and you fight him, and you're like, "Oh, that's awesome." Um, so you get that, but then you'd also get never. Not much has changed, honestly. That's why that's why Tears of the Kingdom is on Japanese mode. <laughs> Same. Are you anti dub? Oh yeah, I I I've done voice acting, so I know like how difficult it is, and I can hear them struggling to make these vowels and consonants fit the animation that was made for Japanese words. And it's like I just can't. I just want to. I just want to listen to the story, and I don't want or or read the story. I don't want to have to hear you struggle. I know it sucks. Once you've seen how the sausage is made, you don't want to eat it anymore. I get yeah. it. Well. I've been pretty much only playing Zelda until, I don't know, I guess last podcast I had just bought in Diablo, right? I put a good amount of time into it now. What level? Just shy of 50. Wow. We play a couple hours a night. Have you guys played Diablo? Is this in your guys' wheelhouse? Yeah, I mean, like I played Diablo 2 back in high school, but... um. I Diablo three, I just beat it once and I never fucked with it again because it's just it was just too hamster wheelie for me. So I, when I when I pop, this popped up the other week and I was like, all right, let me just try it out. Fuck it, here seventy bucks, whatever. And uh, and I was like, oh my god, this feels so good. And I also am playing on console too because I never I was always just mouse and keyboard. But let me just do. I just want to sit on the couch and just fuck around with the joysticks. And it's uh, it, it is so fucking good. Like I, I could feel this. It doesn't feel a the guilty drive to like keep going to the one more done. Let me go through this one more cellar. Let me just get this next level so I can look at the trees real quick, you know? And, uh, it just feels feel so good. It's so easy to just like, you know, spend time in it. And, uh, and it's super alt friendly too. So I'm just like, man, I've, I've, let me just hop off this barb and just do a couple levels of the Druid real quick. And yeah, super good. There are a lot of things that I appreciate about it. I mean, back in my younger days playing MMOs, where you know you're really into that loop, go into a dungeon, kill the boss, get slightly better gear, rinse, repeat for hundreds, thousands of hours. I have PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and everyone had talked about, oh, if you love Destiny, you're, you're really gonna love the new Diablo game. And I went into it kind of with that mindset. And the thing that I've learned is that in Destiny, the grind has an end game. Getting to the highest level is not the entire experience. You need to be at the highest level so you can now do all of the fun stuff, right? You do these dungeons or these raids that are cooperative. Like you cannot do them with four people. You need six people and they're intricately designed and the handoff with these mechanics when you're in a raid and everyone has to be synced up and communicating. And that's what I really get off on. In a Diablo game, whether you're soloing or you have two people or four people or whatever, you know, one of the complaints I've seen about Diablo 4 specifically is that the end game is pretty tough because, for example, you get more experience playing on World Tier 1 instead of World Tier 4. Like, there's no reason to play hard mode because you get less experience, it takes way more time, and the gear, like, the drops are not worth. And so, to me, the loop of like, all right, I'm just going to get more and more levels and better and better gear, and that's it, not as appealing to me as it was 15 years ago. It's a mindless experience, right? Brennan and I hop in. Buddies filter in and out, and we can just you know slash away and you you know messing with the different builds is cool and respecking is super easy in this game, which is awesome. So you can easily just be like, all right, I want to play a different type of character, 
and it's not really going to cost you anything. But yeah, it was disheartening to see sort of the the complaints from the more entrenched Diablo community about how it's like once you hit level cap, like good luck, you know, and kind of waiting to see how that shapes up. And I know Diablo three went through a lot of changes over the years, uh, and they did a lot to course correct and and make it an experience that had legs. So we'll see how that plays out. But it is both very familiar but also not everything I want it to be in sort of a post-Destiny world for me. But I spent that $70, so we're going to goddamn get our $70 worth out of it. Hey, Sundays, jump in, man. Nate's going to roll a new character for once I once I start playing. We could get like a whole, a whole squad going. And that's been the biggest, especially, again, post-Warzone, where I haven't had as much social interaction centered around games. Like everyone moved on to different things, some of them together, some of them just completely in their own world. And through the pandemic, Warzone is what brought this huge group together every single night. And, you know, I've talked about on the podcast about things like Sea of Thieves and whatever. And Brendan and I always have something we're playing together. But this is the first time in a long time where everyone's just hopping in the Discord and you're just talking shit and hanging out while you're mindlessly grinding dungeons. And that is a lot of fun. You're going to get that plat? No, I'm playing on PC. I did look, though, before buying it to see how the Platinum, uh, what the difficulty level was and what people are saying about it, and it is rated a 10 out of 10 uh, as of right now and takes hundreds of hours, and I said, you know, not worth it. I'll play it on PC. No big deal. I am playing with a controller, though, and I agree with you, Nate. It feels really freaking good. It just works. I've never played it on PC and or on a uh, controller, and I was imagining it's like there's something. I feel like skill shots are going to be really easy to do with a second uh, joystick. Uh, the only thing is you lose a lot of accuracy if like you wanted to leap to a specific spot, for, for example. But like I, uh, but I was like, this is this is a fine trade off. Like I'm just I'm just cleaving shit in different directions and big chilling, leaning back. None of this. None of this back. Oh my arthritis and hands and right. keep the carpal tunnel what's your apm <laughs> yeah, oh god trying to min max a game like diablo is i mean it can be done but for dudes in their 30s who are trying to also enjoy their life it's just it's a futile effort so it's a young man's game yeah anyway any other games you want to chat about before we move on to n64 honorable mentions i know nate you're playing a shit ton of games so i'm sure you could talk about anything and everything i mean like i'm also tears of the kingdom and and diablo but those are like the the pleasure ones and at this point it's like it's kind of a drag to be like i went a whole day without playing tears of the kingdom and i was just like shit man i was on diablo for like an hour and a half and and then I got to fucking do an hour of Dead Space. Like, fuck, man, this is starting to get a chore. I can't throw these too many fucking good-ass games out at the same time. This is going to mess me up. Sometimes you just break the cycle and just say, fuck it. I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom. Day three in a row. Whatever. Tears of the Kingdom doesn't exist on any of the days. It's it, uh, it, it, it's its own Ever time. present. Okay. Yeah. Same. Good. Very same. good. Very good. I, uh, I, I had a buddy who's, uh, I think he's like 215 hours or something. Like, and he's, I don't think he's done any dungeons yet. Like, it's. That, come on, that's, that's ridiculous. Insane. <laughs> I don't think he has. I, I maybe he just did one of them, but I only got three done, and I'm I'm like 240 plus hours. But you're 100 percenting. You're getting every goddamn Korok, right? I mean, uh, are you getting crazy like Chris? Uh, yes, uh, I'm not gonna get like I'm not gonna max out every piece of gear that requires a star fragment. Oh, actually, I can now that um, there's a new dupe, so maybe <laughs> maybe I will. <laughs> Man, I spent like three hours on. F- Thursday night trying to 
you know, I have multiple master swords. I did the unbreakable master sword glitch, which involves like starting a new game and trading things between, you know, it's, it's, it's a wacky glitch and it was hard to get right. It took me a while, but, but now I'm trying to get it to where I can fuse the master sword because it, otherwise it's just a 30 base weapon. You can't do anything with, which is like fine. If you just want to slash away, right. And not bang your head against a wall with breaking weapons <clears throat> as I have been known to bitch about on this podcast. You? Yeah, right? Nah, nah. But <laughs> never. There's a glitch. It's like the, I can't, it's called like the Zuggler method or something like that. And 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 it's even more convoluted. Sex than, thing. Exactly. Uh, it involves a couple of uh, uh, rocks. Uh It's a like real, I said. real messy affair. <laughs> so I haven't been able to get it right. I, I thought I got it right, and then I left the dungeon, and then it unfused. So I got to go back to that tonight and try to figure out how to get my Unbreakable Master Sword to also be fusible. But I'm also still on 1.1.1, and I will remain there until there's a compelling reason to to get off of it. I wish I was there. I love breaking games, and this game is super broken. I was watching a Small Ant video where he was going through every known glitch, and there were things that I hadn't even seen yet, like like infinite spring glitch where you like put a spring on the bottom of your shield that doesn't actually show up there, but you can just like shield surf, but you just pogo stick everywhere. <laughs> it's extremely convoluted to pull off. I haven't been able to do it, but so as the speed runs, they start cracking those nuts. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I saw a guy build a basketball hoop and dunk on a Lionel. That's, uh, <laughs> oh, no. that's, that's, the, that's the, that's the direction I go with watching that's and learning shit. He just like stunned a Lionel and then he auto built a fucking basketball hoop. He threw a watermelon in the hoop and then that was it. <laughs> I need to find that. That is amazing. I'll send it to you. He sent it to me. I was like crying, like crying in the restaurant last night. Oh, that was the, uh, the, uh, the, the oven they built. Yeah. To, to roast cuckoos and then spit the roasted bird out the other side. Built a factory to cook chicken or cuckoos. God, what that's, I called them chickens. I'm embarrassed. Fake gamer. We can edit this out. We can edit this part out. You're going to live in your shame for all 19 people to hear. God damn it. <laughs> Nick, I know you're not much of a YouTube guy under normal circumstances, but especially not wanting to be spoiled on things in this game. But man, the community, just seeing what people have done with this game, it's just it's just a real, a real joy to see. Because there are things I'll never think to do. I'm not creative enough for that. I don't even have the Master Sword, but I'm like... 240 plus hours. I'm not even, I don't even got that. <laughs> I know uh, how to that's get crazy. it. That's crazy. I'm man. I'm just segmenting. I'm taking my time. I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it. Enjoy it the way y'all want. All right. Um, let's do our little honorable mention list. Our top 100 honorable mentions games that we did not get to on the top 100 list. This week is the Nintendo 64. And I swear to God, it's the fourth week in a row that we've had to have the N64 conversation. I'm sure it's going to happen again today. Someone's going to want to defend the console. Chris will bring up Tiffany, and she's still not here to defend her position. That she's she, I mean, on vacation, but she wants to come. She wants to spot next week just to yell at us, basically. That's fair. Nate, do you have a game already? I uh, So, yeah, this is... Uh, I don't... I, we're, the list of the I don't I don't know what's on it or not uh, I don't think I have access to that but um oh shoot I can send you a link to that just pick your favorite it doesn't have to be on or off our list okay and the second Chris mentioned this Nintendo sixty four talking about like a a game that is un- underused or underrated or underserved or whatever I already had it instantly I already knew, I already knew what I was gonna pick and 
Um, upon further research, it turns out that like a lot of people say this is one of the most underrated Nintendo 64 games and it's almost on every single list. Uh, but I have not met people personally in my life who's played the fucking game. Goemon? Um, <laughs> no, no. <That's, laughs> I saw that on lists too. Jet Force Gemini? That it's was my what guess. Chris said too. Yeah. Man, this is, uh, you're all running out of picks because there's Beetle not a lot. Adventure <laughs> Racing? Lover? It was a good game. Snowboard Kids? <laughs> Gex 2? Enter the Gecko? <laughs> if you say Battle Tanks Global Assault, that's my game, goddammit. Chameleon Twist? <laughs> okay, okay. What's that's an honorable game? mention. I actually did play Chameleon Twist. All right, let I'm me. Sorry, uh, that's right. not a good game. <laughs> I beat that game, I think. I'm pretty sure. I remember this. Oh, like, no. The sound effect when he sticks a tongue out. <laughs> Is it Blast Core? Nope. Okay, all right, all right. I'm done guessing. Let me put, put it in context. So here, okay, it's 1997. What, I'm 12 years old. Um, I was a Nintendo kid, did not have a Sega, did not have Dreamcast. Um, and, uh, I was the kind of kid, you know, parents are divorced, no brothers or sisters. So I would walk to the game store and just like rent things based on the cover or, and on the 64, there was always some random shit that was, that you can get. And I, there weren't really magazines or forums and shit to tell you what to play. So you just kind of just played shit. And, um, for me, here's an example. Sega games, side-scrolling games. Uh, Ristar is one of my favorites. And that one, like, I think my my cousin had it and we I just started playing it. And I was like, this this the mechanic of it is just usually it's just if you're side-scrolling, you're gonna use a gun or 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 a sword. That's really the only two. But with Ristar, you had to like grab things and then bash your face into them. And that <laughs> the whole game was fucking structured that way. So I'm already leaning towards that. I'm also a Mega Man kid. So if you have a game with a robot as its protagonist, oh. I'm going I'm to I'm start to, 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 to do that. So I pick up this game and out, and out comes this cyborg female. Has a doctor who created her. Her name's Marina Lightyears. And it, basically the same shit as Mega Man, right? Uh, but it's like this really goofy fucking 90s anime type shit where, you know, the, her professor who built her is like get, getting all handsy, like he's going to squeeze her titties. And then like she she picks him up and throws him into the space like Team Rocket and shit. Anyway, the game is called Go Go Troublemakers, a.k.a. Mischief Makers. And yo, classic. This Nobody I fucking know has ever played this. I'm like, how the fuck have you guys not heard of this shit? Like, but everyone on the internet seems to know about it or has played it. Where are these people at? Any of y'all played Mischief Makers before? I've listened to the soundtrack extensively and I've never actually played the game because ain't nobody playing a treasure game on the N64. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, man. This that, is literally um, on every list. Every list. Yeah. Uh, as, as one of the chase titles, you know. I don't know what the N64 market is looking like right now. Some of them are like pretty reasonable, but this is on all the lists. So yeah, man, this um, 2.5 D, you know, side scroller and 3D environments, kind of Donkey Kong Country shit. And you um, had 52 levels, I think. So it's like somewhere in between Super Mario Brothers three and Super Mario World. Um, it's some people say it's a really short game, uh, but I think that's a, kind of a positive. And I, I, you could just pick it up and smash it in like three to five hours. Um, and the mechanic for this game, similar to Ristar, is you, no swords, no guns. You're just grabbing shit and like you grab and shake. And so like someone shoots a rocket at you, you 
you can catch the rocket in midair and throw it back at them. Or uh, if some, or you could shake the rocket and it'll get bigger. Then you could throw an even bigger one at them. Um, some of the boss fights are uh, designed around this mechanic too. I think one of the, like the earlier bosses, there's like this dragon that would come out of the lava, and he he had these big ass fists, and he and so he would like punch you, and there would be little indicators on the screen like uh, like uh, like spider sense, like uh, it would beep and let you know that this is a this is a harmful attack coming, and you can catch it and make him punch himself and. Um, all the fucking like levels are, have some type of little, nice little interesting change on the mechanic. And, um, you can even grab NPCs and like throw them in fire, like on some <laughs> Mario 64 penguin shit, like everything's grabbable <laughs> almost. And, um, yeah, it's uh, and all there's also this thing in the game where like, and I'm a Mega Man guy, right? So like, I, I really like, um, those, uh, groups of people in like. Uh, games or like anime or some shit like uh, like like Mavericks, you know, fucking Metal Gear Solid. There's Foxhound, you know, like a a, a group of a team, a team. Everyone's got their own special power or whatever. Red Star Army. Yeah, yeah. So there's this team in that too. It's just three dudes. It's um, there's a uh, an, a robot eagle, a robot gorilla, and a robot wolf. And each one has as the boss of that particular uh, set of stages. I think there's like five worlds and like I don't know eight to twelve stages each. And each one of those dudes are the end boss. And like some of them, you got to figure out how you're going to grab them and, and judo throw them. And all, it's, it's super fucking funny. It's, it's, it's cool. It's quick and it's super clever and it is 100% underplayed. And, um, I, I've been saving that one for, for a replay. I won't even like watch any like playthroughs or anything. Uh, cause like I, it, it just, it's, it's a good wine that I'm keeping. There's even a level where you, there's an Olympic level where the where you, there's like seven Olympic events you have to play a hundred meter dash, uh, uh, math level. There's a math game you have to do by grabbing the right numbers and like doing problems, and all the the C buttons. That's they they were uh, they were boosts, little little tiny little um, Mega Man X boosts, and you can go in every direction. You can boost up, down, left, right, and that that added more to some uh, different movements. But yeah, Mischief Makers. It's when they say it's underrated and it's on every list, it's it's for a reason. I could see this coming to the Switch Online because they already have Sin and Punishment on there. So the treasure catalog, like, you know, it could happen. I think it's going to happen. You have to make them uh, subscribe to their damn online service now, dude. Oh, jump on a family plan. Don't do that. You have to pay for it all on your own. You know, if you're on the family plan and you want to go back to a different one, you have to wait for it to run out. Like I had a family plan, plan and then like uh, I wanted to switch down to the individual one. Um, and I had to wait the entire 10 months remaining on my subscription in order to do that. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I was like, God damn, Nintendo, fuck off. What is this shit? (laughs) (laughs) So Mischief Makers is only about a $40 game, which puts it right sort of in line with Kirby the Crystal Shard, which is sort of what, you know, Mischief Makers is sort of the poor man Crystal Shard from like my memory. I'm going through eBay right now. I just love that the N64 market has not done what the GameCube market has done. And it may have done that seven or eight years ago, but or even five years ago, but I don't, I don't, re- I don't remember that. It's nice to know that those games are still affordable. Well, it helps that they're cartridges, so they're nigh indestructible. I just sold a, oh, this hurts. I just sold Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. I had a loose game of it, and I saw that I might have bought it from you if it had a goddamn case. We talked about this the other day in the group chat. It's raw dog and CDs, man. Come on, dude. So there was this, I was living with, uh, with someone and there was this, we broke up. This was like, I don't know, eight years ago. And, 
I, I needed to consolidate everything I had so that I can get out of there. And so I had to make a lot of sacrifices and so I'm like, I just can't carry all these cases anymore. So I, uh, that, that helped. And I really fucking regret it because like in some cases, like that's a $75 off the price tag right there. Chris does this too. Chris does this too. And I know Chris, you move a lot. You know, I understand life circumstance sometimes happens. Still hurts. The only stuff that I, I have cases for all the games that I care about at this point. And I have all my switch cases. I did keep those. Um, but I did get rid of a lot of like all of my PlayStation games that aren't Final Fantasy pretty much are are loose discs now. I did that, but with Zelda games, like I have an unopened uh, uh, Twilight Princess HD. And I, I was like, what? This shit's like 200 bucks. Fuck, man, I might as well sell this <laughs> unopened yeah. sealed game market is is out of control. Nick, give it to me. Uh, do you want a, an answer that I can actually talk about or do you want something that I can just pull off a list because I don't have a very encyclopedic uh, actual hands-on experience with the library? I want to just know a game that you really like on the N64 that didn't make it to our top 100. Something you freaking like. There's a lot of N64 games, man, and we only have four on our top 100. The four we have are Star Fox 64, Ocarina of Time, Banjo-Kazooie, and Pokemon Snap. No, that was a, that was an oddball one. Well, you know, it's y'all list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, I love Pokemon Snap. I I, I just didn't think if because what is this four four games? So there's a Mount Rushmore of sixty four games that ex- exists on your top one hundred, and Pokemon Snap is number four. This is the one in the far right. Yeah, apparently that's the list because you know <laughs> Mario sixty four isn't that great of a game. Doesn't hold up, and uh, you know oh, whatever man. else takes these bozos want to regale us with chris and i do not like mario 64 clock deserves its spot (laughs) i'm preemptively (laughs) shutting down ej as well if we got rid of plock we could put another 64 game on there the compromise is next time we revisit this in 2024 plock comes off warzone comes off at least the infinite world stop it we will we will determine how we do that when we do that but not a moment yeah, yeah. sooner. All right. Nick, talk to me. A game I did not play on the N64, but was on it. So I'll count that in there because yeah. uh, Chris Chris was talking about playing uh, Mega Man X4 on the PS1 earlier, and I played that game on the PC. So similarly, a game on the N64 that I played on PC was a little game called Rayman 2. I can't remember the sub name. I'm, t- I'm trying to think. It's like something Hoodlum, ha- not Hoodlum Havoc. It's Escape, the Great Escape, I think. I think it's Great Escape. Something stupid like that. That game was a really delightful sort of twist on the 3D collectathon because that was not a genre that had been really cemented in the canon of like, this is what you do in a 3D environment. You go around, you pick up the little shiny things that are spinning because that's appealing. And then you go from stage to stage and it's fun because you're exploring different environments. And we haven't done this before in video games. It's more of like a linear kind of story. I remember uh, I never finished this game as a kid. I would be interested in going back to and either watching a playthrough or playing through it myself because it was just so French and quirky and the music was really good. It's like Ubisoft before they became Ubisoft with like Assassin's Creed nonsense. They're more of like a double A kind of gun for hire publisher. And this was like their premier brand. This was, this was like what they were proud of. Like, I don't think they even had Prince of Persia yet. Like it was a weird time for Ubisoft in the nineties. Uh, And Rayman is just like this weird dude with this floating hands and feet and a sweatshirt. And like, that's his character traits. 
Which Plock definitely did first, Thank Chris. You. You're so right. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. Had to be said. Excellent drop in. <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Respect your elders. <laughs> yeah, it was just had like a really cool vibe and like was fantastical and goofy, but not like the gross out kind of goofy, which was very prevalent at the time. So I found that to be a lot more appealing than like the the trend of like Conquer and like Booger Man and all that weird shit that was like uh, written and stimpy this is like edgy but for children huh? conquer was great that's that was like number two for me that flower had amazing breasts for an n64 game and the great mighty <laughs> Pooh could sing with the the best of them you know oh i know the whole song i might do that for an audition <laughs> if you if you that get hired i think that would be a red flag <laughs> <laughs> i was just testing you guys fuck this <laughs> we loved your your line about the corn that was really insightful yeah, no, Rayman 2 was a lot of fun, and I would like to actually finish it one time, like, maybe, or just at least watch a playthrough. Rayman Mega Pack? It's very, uh, uh, you know, again, of the era, sort of Spyro, Banjo, Croc, <clears throat> uh, you know, the classics, as it were. I never played a Rayman game. Yeah, me neither. Not until the Origins came out, and I was like, okay, let me play this guy that's been in my life for a long time, but I just never fucking picked it up. And he's definitely like a C tier sort of mascot, like platform character. Nobody's begging for him to get in the smash. They were yeah. though. They I, I would have liked it. I would have liked it. I didn't sign no petition or anything. Give me crash before. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. No, crash is definitely like a tier amongst the like mascot platformers and Rayman. I was being mean. He's not C. He's at least B, but like, it's a very sort of tenuous kind of grasp on that just because there's multiple releases. This ain't no like arrow, the acrobat. Or like Dude. the Jersey Devil game. Are we gonna know? do a mascot platformer tier list? I was just get out of my head. I was literally <laughs> just gonna say that's the next tier, but we're gonna have to actually like find thumbnails and build this ourselves. Yes, we will. Oh boy. That's great. That's great. I feel like to be B tier, you have to you have to pass the test of showing the character to like regular people and um who do casual gamers like, who is this? Yeah, hey Tiff, do you know who this is? Okay, nope, C tier. <laughs> Hey, Tiff, do you know what this is? Okay, B tier, minimum. <laughs> yeah. That's Aladdin. <laughs> I know that guy. Oh, no. S tier. <laughs> Googling Rayman 2, The Great Escape, Giant Bomb's website pops up, and under similar games, guess what they put? <laughs> Rayman 2, The Great Escape? Similar to Penobi Wings of Adventure, dude. Rayman 2, the Game Boy Color version, or the Game Boy, there was a Game Boy Color, maybe a Game Boy Advance version. It was like a launch title. So like, yeah, it was like a 2D version of the 3D game. So Penobi makes sense because that was also a launch title on Game Boy Advance, right? I own a physical cart of Penobi. That game fucks. Thanks. Thanks to you. You did that to me. All right, Chris. Yeah, this is a, this is a console generation that I, I missed a lot of. I didn't have a 64 until well after we had well after I had like a GameCube honestly and so it was like what did I play at friends houses and then when I came back to the 64 after the GameCube era to revisit stuff and like discover new things like what did I play a lot of I'm gonna leave one that I well if you're going deep cut then maybe I can maybe I have my, my pick of the litter here because I thought for sure you were gonna do Pokemon Stadium EJ and so I didn't want to do that um uh, but we, we know my, my choice for sure is, is Kirby 64. It's Kirby 64, the crystal shards, um, which I think is still probably the second best Kirby game. Um, it is, 
like seeing Kirby rendered in 3D, like the two 2.5D, right? Like you were saying, Nate, that he's in three dimensions. The the world's in three dimensions. Occasionally, they change perspective to take advantage of that, but you're still side scrolling. Um, so it didn't have to address the awkward transition that like true 3D platformers did on the 64. Like, how do we make this control well? How do we like figure out how the the physics and stuff work? Like, it's Kirby. It's three dimensions. I remember it being very, really pretty. I'd be interested to see how it looks now. I think, is that on the 64 online yet? Man, we got to do a, a Crystal Shards game diary. God, that'd be fun. We talked about it and played it for that very purpose. No frame rate drop, smooth textures. Ooh. Uh, there was a, there was a, like a game breaking glitch where the swimming was broken, but I think they patched that. So it's, it's fixed now. Oh, we should totally do that. Um, Introduced not necessarily like as characters for the first time, but the idea of like some of these allies that Kirby could have, because DDD was always like a frenemy. You know what I mean? Where it's like they fight each other, but mostly it's when he like steps out of line or he's being manipulated by like the nightmare or whatever. Um, so DDD as an, as ally um, Adelaide, the painter who was a new character who could paint things that would come to life, that would help you like power ups, buffs, things like that. Uh, and Waddle D who's become like a staple as like Kirby's right hand thing. Now I don't want to presume Waddley's gender. Um, uh, he's like a weird acorn with eyes. Yeah. And now it's like got a bandana. It's like edge. It's in it's like edgy twenties phase now where it's like reinventing itself. Um, so all these cool things I was like, damn, like that's really tight. Um, having a secret boss for the, uh, I don't know. Millionth time. Yeah. I don't want to say that's the first time, but, uh, uh, and a secret boss, that wasn't just like a retread of the same secret boss they do every single fucking time. Uh, and having like, Oh, two, this giant, like angel haloed eyeball thing that you would fly you find around. An Evangelion angel is what the final boss is. Yeah. And you fly around shooting crystal shards into its fucking eyeball. Like that's so tight. <laughs> like that's as it's shooting blood yeah. out. <laughs> and the big feature, the big feature in this game that they have never done again, to my knowledge, which is really sad is combining powers that you could, you could lift up your power crystal, roll it into an enemy that was a different power type, or you already have to have it reduced to a crystal. My memory's fuzzy, but you could fuse powers together and create different uh, like subsets of powers. Um, so like if you fused ice and rock rather than being just like I'm putting out ice, you know, around me or I'm a rock and I'm stationary, you turn into a curling stone and you would slide along the ground <laughs> as a, a rock that could now be mobile. Uh, and the way that they um use that to create destructible areas of the environment that you'd have to like go down to get different crystal shards was like a really interesting really challenging uh mechanic and it was just so cool i was like i can't believe nobody had thought of that and i can't believe that they've never gone back to that and been like boy it'd be really cool to do like you know crystal shards too or just like go back to the power fusions in a traditional kirby side scroller um man yeah great game Great game. I still I have the strategy guide to that game. That's one of the only strategy guides that I held on to when I moved away from Oregon. I sold like all my Assassin's Creeds. I sold I kept a couple Final Fantasies. I kept my Metroids and then Crystal Shards. Um, I might have a GoldenEye strategy guide also, which was one of my honorable mentions. Dozens and dozens and dozens of maybe hundreds of hours of GoldenEye multiplayer as a kid. GoldenEye's on my two week rotation. I just found out that I had no idea on the Switch Online they they got rid of the frame drops and like they smoothed it out and shit. And I was like, this is like playing a whole, 
this, this is like playing it for the first time all over again. And I have adult hands now who can be really good at this and I can remap the switch pro. Like, and so now I have a whole day devoted to double O agent, just playing casually, like little 30 minute missions. That's a game that I just, it, it passed me by, you know, I owned a PlayStation at the time. And of course, all of my friends had 64s. And so you would go to someone's house, you'd play it, whatever, but maybe it was just the controller. Maybe it was just because I was bad and it had tiny little fingers. I don't know. But I just really, it was just not a game for me. And then on the GameCube, we got uh, Nightfire. And that was, for my brother and I anyway, that was our golden eye. Nightfire fucked. It was so Agent good. Agent Fire also really good. They're both really good. Yeah, a lot, lot of fun. Pre-Call of Duty. Chris, to your point with Crystal Shards, uh, I did want to chime in to say that another game did do the copyability like um, melding with a squeak squad on the DS, but it was not every single ability. It was like specific ones that you could do that with. So, but people loved that and people still love the crystal shards, like copyability doubling up. I, I, I'd love that. That's like my favorite feature of the game like that. And like the kick-ass soundtrack, like that nasty jazz drum, uh, sort of track in the final world is just ridiculous. That song has no business going as hard as it does. And each cutscene at the end of each world and when you're going out of the next area, it's not these these games aren't really like the type of game to have voice acting or even like little noises really. But each little cutscene is has a specific track that plays behind it. They scored the actions that these characters are doing. So like like someone runs into each other and it's like a symbol crash and like it's so there's like 20 extra tracks of just them going from one place to another. It's it's just so stupid. I love it. Squeak Squad is my DS honorable mention. My brother and I fucking love that game growing up. And it's one of the few DS games that I have kept in my collection all these years. Known in Europe as Kirby Mouse Attack. Bad name. <laughs> Squeak Squad's better. All right, EJ, tell us about Rogue Squadron or whatever. I fucked up. I fucked up so hard. I As soon as you said Star Wars, I was like, I just thought of three literally three titles that all would have been better choices for shadows the of the empire shadows mm-hmm. of the empire Episode one racer. pod racer fuck i fucked up yep <laughs> Hell, man. all right battle takes global assault which is a game that i actually played on playstation not n64 but i do remember how cool the colored cartridges for both battle tanks games on the n64 were there was was it blue and green or were they both green uh, the colored cartridges went super hard. There was black, and obviously DK had the the ye- the yellow, yellow and banana yellow, the gold and stuff. Tony Hawk had blue. I think one of the uh, NFL Blitz games had a different colored cartridge. I, I think that was the black. Black. One. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, at its core, Battle Tanks is just you're in a fucking tank and you're throwing bombs at buildings and or other tanks, and you're just rolling around a big square, uh, demolishing buildings, but. It had a fucking story that was completely unhinged. So this is a post-apocalyptic fucking wasteland, all right, in the distant, distant year of 2006, where the queen of the fucking world, like, kills all the women on the planet with, like, a fucking super virus. And, like, (laughs) it's completely unhinged. And then, like, there was, like, a magician. All I remember is that, like, two things. One is the end of the game like literally ended on a cliffhanger where you kill homegirl and then she gets resurrected. So everything you've just done is completely undone in that moment. And and as a kid, you're like, no, 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 That can't be it. You just completely erased weeks of my life. And of course 
this uh, was developed by Console Crusade famous developer 3DO. <laughs> Yo, let's go. They did Doom. Stop it. Big ups to 3DO. I had a 3DO. Oh, oh shut up. Stop. Yeah, dude, yeah. Your, your parents were that divorced? My- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This was, this was pre-divorce, so this was an oh. attempt to save everything, I guess. Oh. I'm walking through the mall, and he's like, what is this $700 thing? I'm an engineer, my dad said, probably, and I'm going to fucking buy this thing for my son. We're going to play Way of the Warrior and Army Men. <laughs> this is some racing game. I forgot Dude, what it's called. Crash and $700 was insane. And nobody bought a 3DO on purpose. It was like a, a lark. It was a joke. Like, wouldn't it be funny if we got this? <laughs> this was still the wasteland of like, I mean, people were trying some weird things. And, and you really, I mean, the, the, we were just talking about last week, like the, the run of weird fucking consoles or like home computers that people were putting out that led up to the NES. And then between the NES and like, I guess whatever Sega was doing in the early nineties, like they had like four consoles that didn't work out. And every other year they're putting something new out and then obviously dying with the dreamcast, but just a weird, I mean, the Jaguar was sort of, was that Atari swan song or was there one more failed console after that? I think the, I think the handheld might've been after the Jaguar. Oh man, those Jaguar commercials were so good. I just, I wish I was that cool and no one had it. (laughs) The only other thing I remember from battle things, global assault was how fun the multiplayer was. And it was just me and my brother in the basement, in an arena, avoiding each other until we could find the nuke because the nuke, <laughs> predictably, would completely end the match. It would destroy the entire level. Now I understand why you like Warzone so much. It's just scratching a primal itch that you have. I'm just childhood. trying to destroy. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm looking at the playthrough of it right now, and I was like, man, this looks really smooth and for a 64 game, too. It's Everything's just looking fast and crisp. And evidently, Mission 4 is called Mission 4, Texas Boba Fett Starship Fortress. It's actually the Fire Spray 31 Fortress, if you could get that right, please. Oh, shit. <laughs> Let me just change BattleTanksFandom.com and edit it. <laughs> I watched you play this game over at your place a few years ago when uh, Trevor and I came down to visit you. And you guys were busting out some like old, obscure, weird N64 games and like some weird uh, PS1 games, too. Like That's when... Uh, you had that copy, or I don't know if you got it or Trevor had it of that fighting game. Dark Rift, Dark Rift, Dark Rift with dude. the little green. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a bad like Killer Instinct, basically. Shout out to Trevor. Um, remember we played that Land Before Time. Oh my God, the Land Before Time racing game. <laughs> Why did every Disney franchise have to have a racing game, dude? Disney Adventure Racing was actually fucking awesome, though. Sure, and like Toy Story Racing on Game Boy Color is a technical marvel, but it doesn't mean that we have to like remember it in any meaningful way besides like, haha, they're fun. Okay, and listen, at the time, I didn't have Mario Kart because we had a PS1, so I had to play Disney Adventure Racing or Disney Magical Kingdom Racing, whatever it was called, while everyone else played Mario Kart. And to be fair, like the 80s a little bit, but the 90s especially was a prime time for video games to have... Like video games were the big first party titles and then everything else was like, hey, there's a movie coming out for this kid's franchise. So let's advertise it with everything that we possibly have. It's like a shotgun approach. Like there's a comic, there's a there's a CD that's got the soundtrack on it. So you can listen to Phil Collins while you're you're playing the Tarzan game on your SNES. And related to that, I'm going to smoothly transition to some news. 
this week, this nice. past week, a, a free Game Boy game was released celebrating Grimace's birthday from McDonald's. And yes, you heard me correctly. A Game Boy Color game was released in 2023. And yeah, like a ton of Game Boy games come out every single like every week. Like there's a big thriving Game Boy dev scene, especially sort of uh, given some a shot in the arm, I guess you could say from the analog pocket coming out and people being like really interested in the hardware again. And that coming with a Game Boy Studio program that people have like been working on that allows you to develop easily Game Boy games. So I don't know if this was made with that, but like this is a guy who's made a ton of Game Boy games and is like, I, how does that conversation go? Does he get pitched? Like who comes to who is like, yo, can I make a Grimace game for this dude's this purple dude's birthday? Like, is he calling up McDonald's PR and be like, hey, can I get the license to do this? Or they go and they say, hey, we'll pay you to make a Grimace game. But yes, EJ, to answer your question, I did play this for about five minutes and I was like, this is pretty fun. This is cool. I'd much rather play this on a Game Boy because I was playing on my, you know, keyboard, which is awful. You don't want to play any game that way with like a using WASD and like Z and X to jump and grind no, on this no, no, no. weird auto scroll skateboard game. But the music slaps and yeah. it just captures that vibe. It's like so authentic to the Game Boy experience because half of the games in the library were like related to a fast food franchise or a cartoon that aired 12 episodes on WB. And like, that's it. I feel like that game was also like a, a, a test of your, for, for me, I, okay. So I beat the game. Right. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta do my homework. I'm going to be on your this, hour. I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be on this pod. Let me just, let me just, let me just probably be the only person on here who beats it. So let me just fucking Yo. do it. Right. Thank God. There's only four levels. So, um, nice. but man, those later levels, uh, uh, number three and four, they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's pits. And so like, and when you stop, when you let go of your movement, uh, he slides and shit like fucking super adventure Island. And he's even moving <laughs> like super adventure Island too. And so like, it's, I just, I thank God that there's no health bar and that there are no lives because I fucking died so much. And I found myself just holding fucking right and jumping. And I'm like, man, these are some old ass fucking primal impulses that i had as a kid where if i i, I hear i'm just trying to like just run through this stage because i'm impatient and i'm like why can't i just let go of the run button and just and plan my jumps and play this game like a normal person but nope i nope i'm going to have the the run to the right button held down the entire time and i'm gonna win this way i don't care if i die right at the end of the goal if we're gonna start over and do it again and it's like, the gamer way oh, the gamer God. instinct hold right <laughs> This was a, a fun little throwback. I played it for about 10 minutes, got through a couple stages. It's it's a Game Boy game. It seems like a pretty competent Game Boy game. I played a lot worse. I mean, I would have loved this at five years old or six years old or whatever, um, just skating away. The music has no right to be as good as it was. The music fucked. Like I was actually bopping along to it. <laughs> and it's one of those things like it's easy to throw just like a chintzy little chip tune it's four tra- it's like four tracks right it's easy to do that but to do it well and to make something that feels like it actually belongs in the era and is is as catchy as this was i probably will buy a flash cart with some custom art on etsy for 35 bucks and add this to the collection just as a fucking hilarious piece of bootleg memorabilia i mean that 
is almost more authentic than if they put this out for realsies from McDonald's or whatever. Like if you had to go yeah. there and get a five dollar Happy Meal and a game with the cartridge. Oh, oh man, man, forget about <laughs> it. I'm buying six. I'll be I'm there not right gonna now. lie, man. After fucking trying to catch them purple shakes, I, I I'm like, do I want to fucking taste this thing? <laughs> do I want to drive down to McDonald's and just there's a purple <laughs> shake? Maybe it's the kind of what is the flavor? Let me go up there and to- buy it. I'm about to DoorDash a purple shake as soon as we get done recording this podcast. Damn, it's working. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Four glorious shield. levels. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Uh, what's next on our news? Oh, this is relevant to our... Yeah, I wanted to... So this especially because I know Chris is amongst the folks that love to play the games with the original audio. And now that I know that uh, Nate also is amongst that crowd, I wonder what you guys think about this. Um, it's not as like exacting as it sounds from the headline. The uh, the producer of Final Fantasy 16 recommended to Japanese players that on a second playthrough, they should play with the English dub because the game, the lip sync is only to the English audio. So with the Japanese audio, it's going to be not synchronized. And I found that to be really interesting. And after reading some comments online, it seems like the prevailing wisdom is that because Japanese only has the five vowel sounds and a lot of their um, vocal patterns, I guess with the language don't really lend themselves to be like matched up with like vocal, like the, the lip sync is not as important. Like if you watch a anime, like it doesn't matter what the sounds are that's coming from their mouth. Like the mouth is going to move pretty much the same way. And I found that to be really interesting because in a language like English, there's a lot more uh, nuance, I guess, in the way words are said and the way uh, the lips move while you're talking that you lose a lot of someone's uh, speech if you don't see their mouth while they're talking. So I found that just to be kind of interesting. And the fact that they're going for this heavily westernized sort of story and like the cast and the whole sort of spiel of it, the way that they wrote the game was in tandem with English. Like it's a, it's a Japanese development team, but they worked with the localization as they were writing it, not, they wrote the game and then it got translated like is often the case. So it seems like English is, if not the majority sort of, uh, it's not the target language, but it is like a heavily, uh, it's a strong sort of second place. If anything, I thought that was pretty interesting. Chris, are you going to play this game in Japanese or are you going to play this in English? No, I want to play it in English and I'm thrilled that I can, like, I don't want to play a game like tears of the kingdom with Japanese voice language. I have to, I feel like, because it hurts me to hear poor acting performances, as I would consider it, like from my own lens as a theater maker. Um, I want to hear games in my own language performed well by people in that language, which is why I gravitate towards really narrative-driven stuff a lot of the time in things like The Last of Us, in things like God of War, like we talked about in the Ragnarok section uh, at the beach pod about like how fucking compelling the performances in Ragnarok are by like literally everyone. They're incredible. I want that. I've never gotten that from a final fantasy game because as you said, Nick, it takes years to localize them. Like I remember in like early high school when uh, 12 was getting localized and it was taking forever to get that game over here because of the amount of spoken and written text they had to localize. It's about fucking time, frankly, because they're not selling the bulk of their copies in Japan anymore for the last several Final Fantasy games. They're just not. Well, it's helped also that the PS4 and the PS5 did not sell 
extremely well in Japan. Like the PS, well, I wouldn't say the PS3 sold extremely well in Japan. The console market in general has been kind of waning in that uh, that part of the world. So it seems like yeah, this this, uh, this feels like another Square Enix kind of push to westernize a little bit, but still keeping their Japanese roots. It's not nearly as bad as Capcom was in the N64 or the 360 uh, days with uh, stuff like Lost Planet and like two or three bad Resident Evil games. Square Enix still feels like a Japanese company that's like focusing on that crowd, but this also feels like a olive branch to, like you said a couple weeks ago with like the action RPG kind of gameplay. It's, it's a lot more approachable to a newcomer despite the number 16 being at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that this is the new standard. I hope that regardless of whether or not they want to do sort of a like pretty European looking, obviously game of heavily inspired by Game of Thrones epic, or if it's going to be something that's more like anime as anime shit, I still hope that they are basically writing these scripts in tandem uh, rather than localizing them after the fact, because, yeah, it's just it's obnoxious. I don't know. I still haven't decided what I'm going to do for Rebirth because that's definitely anime as anime shit because it's a Nomura joint. Um, but we will see. Yeah, I don't think there's any saving that. Did you play uh, the original Final Fantasy VII remake in English or Japanese, Chris? Uh, I did that one in English. I didn't mind it. Oh, man, I did. I, did. I couldn't even play the game because of it. Like, it's not OK. So it's not even just like. It's yes, it's lip syncing, too, but there's also there's Barrett, for example, right? The English voice actor for Barrett, and he's doing Barrett is animated. His entire body is animated with like anime culture and shit. And he's like the the way that the American fucking dialogue coming out of somebody just obviously being like you know Hercule, you know what I mean? And um, it just it's like it just feels like it's pretending, you know? It just it's, so it's like it's not only the the it's not even they in that game they like they. Like I switched over to Japanese. I actually had to reload the entire game because they changed all of the the animations. Like everything changes with your with your language. I was like, oh, this is really fucking cool. Um, I'm still gonna fucking play it in Japanese though because uh, this 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 feels like it's make believe. It feels like it's pretend. Like like if there was um uh a Zelda movie and then they start to make it look like um uh the Super Mario movie. Like it just feels like you're 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 doing something else that's what what the heart's missing you know so it's like this feel bad right news which we'll talk about later i got uh, bad news on that <laughs> front ej are you going to play final fantasy 16 is this something that's even on your radar no i know you guys joked about like oh i should play it before the pod so that i could bring something to the table as like a kind of a final fantasy virgin uh for the most part right, but the demo the demo is available right now right uh, and it's getting it's getting good pre, uh, previews. No, I'm just not really a Final Fantasy guy. But but to the, sort of the larger conversation of like I, you know I know we joke about you know I want to watch my TV not read it, uh, and we've kind of given Chris a lot of crap. But he made a really compelling point when we talked about Zelda. There are really bad dubs out there. There are really good ones out there. I'm sure I've missed out on a lot of awesome anime because I won't watch a really bad dub. But I also won't watch subbed anime. Um, I did with like early attack on Titan. Like that was almost 10 years ago at this point because it was one of those zeitgeist that you just, you couldn't miss. Everyone was talking about it. And so, yeah, I watched the sub uh, season and when they finally dubbed it, I did not regret switching over to the English voice cast and, uh, and doing that. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of great media out there that doesn't get the proper 
translation and doesn't get the proper adaptation and it's just that's unfortunate so like i said teach their own but as far as this goes like unless it comes out i joked with brendan today i was like hey man you might still have a chance in the league if this comes out and gets like a 98 you might be back on the board uh and if that does happen then i'll be forced to kind of like you can't ignore the highest you know uh, reviewed game in the last decade so uh, unless it really does gangbusters, I don't see myself playing this. Or if maybe if it comes to Game Pass, is this a PS5 exclusive? Yeah, not even coming to PC for at least six months to a year. Is it timed or is it exclusive exclusive? Well, FF7 was a timed exclusive and that's still not anywhere except for uh, PlayStation and PC. Is that not on Game Pass? Is Are you sure? I'm pretty- FF7 is not on Xbox at all. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, Square Enix is not, rece- was not returning Phil Spencer's calls. Sorry. Oh, man. Left on red. <laughs> oh, man. And pretty soon you're going to have to make, uh, EJ, you're going to have to make these dudes play a game. I mean, they just made you play Metroid Prime, and now they're trying to get you to play Final Fantasy. What are you going to do know, to that? Right? I don't want I him know, to play right? it. I don't want to hear what he has to say about Final Fantasy 16. So I don't, want <laughs> don't, him to play don't poison it. me. No, I, I, I'm just trying to expand EJ's horizons. I'm trying to give him gentle nudges to you know try new things. Just because he didn't like something when he was 10 does not mean he won't like it now. There are still cream cheeses out in this world, EJ, and eggnogs <laughs> that you are just waiting to find and love. You, lo- you love to bring those up. Well, And similar to eggnog and, and cream cheese, things I never tried until I was an adult. I had never played Final Fantasy until 2012, and I found a huge lot of PS1 games at a garage sale for like 20 bucks, like literally Score. all of them. And then like some like Wild Arms and Legends of Dragoon and like all these PS1 RPGs. And so I played around with some of those. Tried to play Final Fantasy VII. Wasn't just wasn't for me. That's fair, but but that's like playing Mario sixty four and being like, you know, I Mario, know. it's not for me. I know. So things progress, they change, but that's fine. What's your RPG vibe? What do you? What is it? He's a Pokemon boy. Come on. I am too. I mean, like I was gonna say, like because <laughs> I'm Paper Mario and Pokemon. I keep it simple, but I'm trying to get some turns in and then relax. I ain't trying Yo, to run around yeah. and pause time and shit like it's yeah a job system no thanks <laughs> that's fair i get it i'm a big fire emblem fan so you know a tactical rpg but like it has all of the trappings of a lot of those other turn-based rpgs and there, it's a lot of systems management bullshit weapons breaking dude we know how you love menus ej and futzing but, through them <laughs> i don't like futzing through menus in an action game in a game where the entire philosophy, it's all about managing those systems. That's different, you know? Like, spreadsheet the game. That's okay, unless the game wants me to smash X to kill something. The game is literally in tiles. It's all it's a spreadsheet. I know it! I love it! Ah! <laughs> uh, time and place, though, you know what I mean? It's uh... just start referring to Fire Emblem exclusively as a menu game from now on. I mean, it literally is. <laughs> it is only menus, <laughs> and then you watch Tactical things happen. Menu game. <laughs> yes, I, and I and I love uh, I love tactics uh, games, but yeah. But when it comes to RPGs, like I want to play, I want to play a Skyrim. You know, give me give me video game the game, like a, a third person action adventure RPG is my is my jam. The Witchers, the but anyway, we'll see if this gets a ninety eight and open critic. I will buy it and play it at the same time Chris is buying it and playing it so that we can talk about it on the podcast. All right. That is my promise. Does it play exactly like remake Final Fantasy seven remake? Nope. No. It plays like Devil May Cry. So an action game ass action game. Yeah. It's like yeah, a, like it's, a true third person action game. Like at the end of chapters, you'll get a B C S rankings occasion. And like you can uh, like opt into a leaderboard if you want. It's like straight up an action game. D- demos. You said demos up. 
demo yeah, there's a demo available on PS5. I have a PS5. What the fuck am I doing just sitting here? Like, let me just write this shit down. <laughs> I think it's uh, the first two or three hours of the game, and then predictably your save transfers, which transfers. I'm so glad they do now. Dude, yes. Square Enix, so good about doing that. Absolutely, like, goaded behavior. Demo game on point in the last, like, whole console generation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember the first time I experienced that was from them, uh, Octopath Traveler, in, like, 2018. I was like, yeah, play the demo, save carries over, buy the game. And I'm like, yo, that's pretty tight. And also, on the uh, flip side, I was like, live alive, or I'm going to play this. Uh, I don't like it. Not buying it. <laughs> yeah, no, save you some money. That's great. Uh-huh. Let's get to the last news item here, and we can. We're going a little longer than than we probably anticipated. That's fair. But. This is this is just like a PSA. I had I'm, I wasn't familiar with this website, but it's a site called Delisted Games. Um, apparently, it is like dedicated to cataloging and uh, making a historical record of the games that are removed from storefronts. And this is like the kind of thing that I really, I love. It's a, it's like a total passion project kind of thing. I found other websites in the past that are sort of uh, either showing like showing or sharing uh, old shareware sort of uh, programs or games or just like, yo, this is like a demo that this studio made before they ended up making a later game. I love that kind of stuff. It's sort of like a, a history that is like not the the big releases. Like everyone is going to know what the Nintendo games and the Xbox games that were released that were first party, but from the quote, like, I don't even know if a lot of these games are like indie games or it's like shovelware or like the licensed games that are for sale, but then they get taken down because they had some like music, like music track that they couldn't license for more than three years. So it's like, Oh, because there's a pitfall song in this game, we can't sell it anymore. So bye-bye. But I don't know. EJ, you and I are a little bit nutty when it comes to the history and like collector mentality, getting that sort of uh, physical media brain on this. Uh, so when you see a digital game delisted, it's sad, right? We've talked about this a lot over the years in sort of the state of games preservation and, you know, the idea that like you don't own your games, you own the license to play it until they decide you cannot play it anymore. You know, physical media to a degree mitigates that. But anymore, a disc is just a physical license to download the game and play it until they don't want you to play it anymore. And that fucking sucks. And so it's unfortunate that games preservation has, it only exists in these sort of grassroots movements. And you have to resort to piracy to access these things anymore. And you're seeing a lot of these volunteer projects go under like this. And that fucking sucks and that at any moment this swath of history could just disappear it could crumble into the fucking ocean like atlantis and that that fucking sucks and so to see this and 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 you know god bless the people who do this single-handedly but like he says in his uh farewell you know, his, you know, an update on delisted games, you know, he says, you know, I start to write this post. I'm suddenly realizing why so many delisting announcements boil down to phrases like after careful consideration. And it is with a heavy heart. Like these are passion projects for people who only have so much time and money. I mean, this costs money to run this fucking website and now it's just going to be gone and maybe someone will pick it up. Maybe they won't. And there, there are a couple of uh, companies now that do this, and who are who are pushing for legislation for meaningful preservation of, of these things. You know, historical foundations who are trying to to gain some 
traction. Yeah, I think like the Video Game History Foundation has, I don't know how much power they have as far as a lobbyist goes, but yeah, lost media is a problem. You think about all those like film reels that have lost and lost like fires or just like they degrade over time. And like they may not all be impactful or really like worth all that much time to go back and look at necessarily, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be preserved. Like it's, it costs almost nothing to have like a ROM of a game and just sort of hold that in a hard drive in perpetuity because you don't know when it's going to become relevant also. So like, yeah, this is a game that was made by someone 37 years ago and now there's they made a cool game and everyone loves it so they want to look at the past work and then suddenly it becomes relevant it's like the context you don't know it's going to be important until until it is and if things get lost because of licensing it's just like that sucks man i don't care about the licenses like that shouldn't matter for me as a consumer on the end but stuff like soul caliber 5 like a well-regarded and well-known series is no longer to be for sale like this like today so, I mean, that's just like one of the many things that are on the front page of this guy's website. And it's like, yeah, this is like the work that obviously is not paying the bills. Like who would pay for a service that's just listing games you can't buy anymore? That's so niche. It's a niche of a niche, but it's still important work. But I don't know what the answer is. Like if this dude put up a Patreon, I don't think I would be subbing to it. Like that's not really important to me. Like it's not relevant enough for me to be paying for, but it should get money, but I don't know where it comes from. You would think it would be easy to to catalog these things. Like you're talking film. I just watched this huge deep dive on like the Dragon Ball Z home releases and what a travesty they've been, uh, and they they have been. But a lot of that stems from the fact that like no original film reels ex- exist of of what we grew up on in the late '90s and early 2000s. They they were lost in a fucking fire or fell out of the back of a goddamn airplane. So we have copies of copies that they're trying to restore to some original version. It's it's when these giant companies who have the means put their foot down and prevent these sort of things from happening. Nintendo actively going after uh, websites and companies who are trying to preserve these things. It's And it's not like Nintendo's doing it. They have all the means in the world to do it, but because it's it, they look at their bottom line and they say, that's not worth the resources, so we're not going to do it. In those moments, it becomes so apparent that they don't care about honoring their own history and they don't care about their consumers beyond like green numbers going up in a spreadsheet. Uh, before we get out of a probably getting lopped off section, I don't know if we actually want to talk about Illumination because their CEO is literally like, yeah, there's no basis to this whatsoever. So I don't know if that's necessarily worth talking about. Eh, I don't know. It was just like a it's a it's a jumping off point to talk about what you would want from is like what would you realistically want from a Zelda animated feature because what you want is not going to happen so let's just come to grips with the reality they don't <laughs> it's going to be another illumination film yeah they don't have a history of like really branching out even when they try to be serious it's still kind of like sing was pretty good and it's not as goofy as the other uh minions and shit but when it um just looking at their list of shit they've done it's like eh, well you know, if if Zelda were to be on that, it's they're going to find a way to make it fit their what they're comfortable doing. <laughs> and, right. They have a shtick and it made them a billion dollars. So why would they break it? You know, if they made it from someone else's perspective and maybe switched it up a bit, you know, like uh, the Korok or some shit. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe finally 
yeah. the Goron movie we've all wanted featuring <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. There are two directions here. If they decided to do a sort of Saturday morning cartoon vibe with the Zelda IP or literally did like a, a little cartoon and leaned into some of the goofier aspects of that franchise, that could work. Maybe not for me. I'm not going to a theater to see that. I don't want to see the fucking Minion movie with a bunch of Zelda skins. EJ, if if they just made it look like the Wind Waker, oh, you yeah. would go in a heartbeat. But here's the thing about Wind Waker, though, is that is the one Zelda game where, I mean, how fucking expressive is Link in that in that game a way he is not in any other Zelda game? Like, it is an over-the-top cartoon, and it worked for that game. So if they did a show like that or a movie like that, I would be in on that. Voices is just one of those things where, like, Okay, I liken it to, um, do you guys remember the IGN April Fool's Day prank in like 2007 or 8? Vividly, when they made the fake trailer. The fake Zelda trailer. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> but it was, it was like this uncanny thing of like, these characters are talking, they shouldn't be talking, they don't look quite right. I know that was like a, uh, it was a low budget fan thing, essentially. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't want a Zelda movie. I don't want it. I don't think. I pitch is make it you could do your illumination shit and you can get four different people four different voice actors and just make it a teenage mutant ninja turtles movie but it's four swords and figure it out (laughs) that is not what i expected that's oh man i could be in on that yeah stick it at the beginning or the end of the timeline well fuck the timeline yeah yeah multiverse it's gonna lead up to smash bros they've already got pipes yeah, I've already. It was like, okay, what, what can, who, who can Link run around with in like fucking like some hijinks, you know, like so well, himself and so the four swords, but you know, there's a lot of time travel and shit. Like on, I don't know, um, Toon Link and um, Young Link in the multiverse, they got stuck together. Who knows? Link to the future. That, that uh, would work in Illumination if it's going to be Illumination. If that's like their like house animation company now that's going to do all of these properties, I think that'd be the only way I'd watch it unless it's it literally could be like, Wind Waker. Like Ghibli Zelda like or whatever, like the fucking serious one, but then all of a sudden yeah. the uh, portal opens up and then out comes Minion Zelda uh, Link, uh, who's just like you're not taking this seriously. Like I'm you know, we got no, Scarlet. Excuse me, Princess. Yes. Link comes out of the portal. Okay, here's a question, though. With like the CDI hair and everything. Yeah. Imagine we actually got a Ghibli Zelda anime. I mean, that that is literally the dream. Yeah. Mononoke, but but Zelda. Right. But literally, Zelda is the main character. Like, here's my problem with the Zelda movie or show is like Link can't be the main character. Like, you you could give Link a voice, but you just that's weird. It's uncanny. It's it's unnatural. It's weird. We gave Mario a voice and it was fine. And that was one Mario's of the main Mario's had a concerns. voice for decades. Whoa. Let's go. Yeah, that's a fucking voice. Come on. Link says hit that. Hit that. How's that any different? <laughs> Maybe he should just say that the whole movie. And he has a translator with him. I think a minish cap. Oh, I think regardless of who makes it, the obvious like template not necessarily even template as far as story goes, but art design and visual direction is it's going to be breath of the wild because that is the most popular game in the entire series by like the largest margin. And Zelda is not like Mario where Mario has been safe and the same design for the past 20 something years. Like link changes with every game. 
a little bit less with some of the handheld games and the the Wind Waker sort of uh, follow ups, but the it's going to be a Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom game, and I wonder if they do like the storyline from that as well, just because the Mario storyline is not really related to any of the games. Like there's like little homages here and there, but that's like Mario is a really good vehicle for that because there's so many spinoffs. Like he's played tennis and Mario Kart and partied and like all this kind of stuff. But the Zelda series has what like crossbow training. And then it's just mostly the actual Zelda games. So I think it's going to be a more uh, like normal Zelda ish story. But I wonder if they do it completely whole cloth from Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom or if they would do something completely new and like different. But it just looks like those games because that's the Link and the Zelda that people are the most familiar with. I feel like the, you know, I like the the Ghibli one is like it's the best case scenario. Right. But I'm, you know, I'm also like, let's the reality of who they are and what they're going to do. Like I. This entire time, like I, I didn't even like I don't even have any ideas or thoughts, but just having this conversation and shit and like the world we live, you know, I, I, like I, I'm at the point where, listen, I'm not going to fucking get this Ghibli fucking Zelda. So just fucking now I just can't stop thinking about a multiverse Zelda. <laughs> I'm like, let me just get this stupid Flash or this Spider-Man fucking but with but with Link and you can have like uh, the one with the hat the talks and then you could have the one who could split into four accidentally sometimes and then. And, but the baseline one would be like the more serious one. So like you can have, and it's, it's too hard. You're not going to please everybody. So the only thing you're going to fucking do is just to do what's kind of working now and just like put them all in there or at least three or four different versions of them. And link to the future is a awesome subtitle for that though. I think that would be, that would play really well. They could even do a homage pastiche to back to the future and like have oh, link shit. and a different link, like holding the goggles with the foot inside of the DeLorean. But it's like, styled like apona you know so. this man this is this is that conversation is bad now now i'm gonna now i'm gonna be expecting this and i'm gonna get my feelings hurt oh fucking ghibli one oh, of course predictable i would hope i i would think they would do something a little closer to uh like a link to the past um just because the plot structure is simpler like breath of the wild then it's like you're doing all the divine beasts like Okay, so you're not doing all the divine beasts. So how do you reconcile that with the story? Because like the 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 key story beats are like any hero's journey in Zelda. It's the same as any hero's journey. Like he needs to get the master sword, he needs to get the MacGuffins, and then he needs to go kill the thing and save the girl. And I think that a link to the past does that the most cleanly. You could also do some dark world wibbly wobbly stuff, uh, which could be pretty cool. Uh, but do it in the Link's Awakening remake art style. I think that'd be cool, but I think. Uh, Illumination and Nintendo showed that they're reticent to have the damsel in distress storyline. So I think they'd have to either do something more modern, like a Skyward Sword or Breath of the Wild, where Zelda has a little bit more agency. Like she doesn't have to be, you know, quipping and like having a bunch of scenes all the time, but her just being trapped in a crystal or abducted by the pig man. I don't think that makes for a very captivating story, especially when Link is not a character. Like Zelda has character in a lot of these games, but. Link is just the dude that you you move around swinging the sword and going, yeah. The Zelda lore is so much richer than any actual mainline Zelda story. Does that make sense? Like, tell me the yeah. story of Skyward Sword. I don't need to see Link going to rescue the princess. Tell me all the other stuff writ large, right? Like, that that could be so cool. The origin of, of, of Zelda, you know, versus whoever Zelda was prior to being Zelda, right? That, that whole story. Like, give me that fight. 
end on a fucking cliffhanger with what's your face being imprisoned in the sword and and Ganon being banished but cursing them and then and then see kind of where where things go. But like you can explore that lore with main characters who are not just the silent vessel to fucking kill things and solve annoying puzzles, right? I, maybe that's what most people expect, but I, there's there's a lot of directions they could go that yeah, and again, way more it's the same same exact thing in the Mario movie that they had to ascribe and extrapolate personality from very very little, and I think we all agree, all four of us agree, they did a pretty damn good job with it. So I, I'm not sure I buy your like, oh, Link's a bad pro tag because he doesn't talk. They literally just did that really well with this movie there were broad strokes though for all these all of the mario characters there were there broad, were broad strokes, strokes for link link has no personality except for in a game no i mean you could easily do the luke skywalker thing with link which is to say any farm boy fantasy think of twilight princess and he's like living in uh what odin i can't remember the name of the, the opening town but he's just like a goat herder and then he gets sent on this fantastical adventure like that can work. That has worked many times in the past. That is like Chris said, the the archetypal hero's journey, like start a zero, get to be a hero, Hercules. Uh yeah, it could totally work. I mean, thinner things have been done, a la Mario. He's just like, how old is Mario in that movie? Because he's like a guy who just started a business and lives with his parents. With his brother. And it's like this The New York way right there. Yeah, I, I guess like the New York Italian family, but yeah, you can ascribe any sort of sort of storyline on Link. You could do him being the uh, like royal guard for Zelda, and like, yeah, shit went sideways, and now I've got to deal with this magician man who teleported into the world and turned me into a bunny. Like, yeah, you could do Link to the Past. I don't think they would do Link to the Past. I think that's too that's too old school. They'll definitely have throwbacks and like callouts from old games because they love to cram a bunch of Easter eggs in, and Zelda is rich with that. So I look forward to those kind of things, but I don't know if I'm like, yeah, we weren't really confident in Illumination's ability to do a gripping Mario movie. And I don't think they really did a gripping Mario movie, but it was entertaining. And that's all that really needs to be for like a kid's film. There's also Uh, an entire timeline where Link dies, right? So, I mean, it can be just, you know, like the greatest movie ever made the last Jedi where link is the, the Luke Skywalker <laughs> who doesn't even pop up until like what the end of the movie or something. And it's Zelda's journey and her ragtag crew of tingle and fucking whoever the fuck else to try to, you know, resurrect the hero. They're already, the hero already has been that. lost. Yeah. And we have to go. That's breath of the wild too. It's like he failed and we have to he keep died. him on ice. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's on ice. Lots of different ways they can go. And in true uh, brand form, no one fucking talked about Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> oh, I was just about to just the fuck about to. That is an illumination film. I want to see that would be like literally my most desired follow up to this film is a Charlie Day Luigi vehicle with Luigi's Mansion. Like that Give would me a be show. Oh, yeah. Give me a awesome. show. I want 12 episodes. I want 24 episodes of that. They'll be fine. They'll be whatever they do will work. And they can't mess it up. So I think I said last week or two weeks ago that I said, I don't want to play Luigi's Mansion. I want to watch Luigi's Mansion. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how I want to experience that type of, of story and, and those type of characters. So I think that'd be fucking great. And didn't, didn't Charlie Day express interest publicly in that exact thing happening? Yeah. The thing that paid him really well, he wants to keep doing more of. <laughs> but yes, like obviously <laughs> Luigi is known for Luigi's Mansion and also being Green Mario. So like, yeah, let's give him his own thing. Yeah. Luigi's Mansion rules. 
and is like tailor made for a movie adaptation. When one of the biggest celebrities on the planet comes out and says, I want to do a thing like that gets the fans riled up and companies, well, companies worth a damn see that. And it can snowball into something. I mean, obviously yeah. they've they've talked internally about a Luigi's Mansion film. Come on, especially after this movie made a billion dollars. Come on. Well, their CEO is on Nintendo's board of directors now. Like he literally has a seat at the table. There you go. Earned it. How crazy is it that the Super Mario Bros. movie has done as well as it did, and and these new like the new Pixar movie just came out and has absolutely flopped in its first weekend. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that, but like Mario, a billion dollars. That is rarefied company, dude. What? Second highest grossing animated film in theaters? Behind like it's, Frozen? It's stupid. It's stupid money. Frozen yeah. 2. Frozen yeah. 2. And it's oh, still in him. it's still in theaters. It still has like a lot of showtimes in theaters. And it just came out on Blu-ray. <laughs> you don't have to go to theaters. Yeah, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Speaking of Nintendo. Should we do some direct predictions? Direct wish list? I'll spitball for a minute. Lightning round? Let's start with number one thing that you want to see. The number one thing you want to see. And then we'll do the number one thing you think you'll see. Chris, number one thing you want to see in a Nintendo Direct. Why are you asking me a question to you which don't have you already to know ask. the answer? <laughs> I want to... Things they haven't announced. Okay, Caveat. so unannounced? Okay, so I can't yes. say I want a Metroid Prime the 4 release trailer? date for Metroid because Prime 4. I don't, I don't give a shit about a release date. Show me that the game exists. Give me a trailer. Give me anything. <laughs> Give me something. I'm dying. <laughs> oh, Nate, don't be so rude to him. Okay, something <laughs> this. new announcements, new announcements, something new that announcements. I, something that I want to see from a new announcement. Um, I would like to see uh, a new uh, Donkey Kong Country platformer. Me too. A new DKC platformer. I want it to come out this year too. I need those points. Oh yeah, that's your unannounced game slot, huh? <laughs> So that's what I that's what I want to see. Nate, what do you want to see? Uh, the Legend of Zelda Oracle of Time. And it is both the Ages and Seasons game in Link's Awakening remake uh, animation. I love that. Both of them together. I would though. I'd buy that so fast. <laughs> Dude. Is it more likely would it be in that same style or do you think they would reinvent the wheel? No, keep the same style. Fuck it. Y'all don't need to do anything extra. Just give me the fucking thing I can't fucking play. Do it. Right. That game was, the remake was beautiful, honestly. Even though, like, the toy sort of design was kind of tied to the dream aspect of Link's Awakening, I think that still kind of plays with Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons because they are so weird and, like, referential being made by Capcom. I mean, you go to these different lands, there's no Zeldas, no Triforce. It's, like, hardly a Zelda game. Except they took the Link's Awakening engine and was like, yo, let's make eight more dungeons and have a bunch of cool shit like the Gorons with the actual Goron theme from the N64 game on a Game Boy. So like it was really cool in that way. I think the the that style would fit. That's a dream. I would love that. I don't believe in it, but I still would love it. It would be yeah. It's right there. They can do it. They want I mean it's right there. Just take just make money. If for Link's Awakening made money. Go make money. Rezo, what are you doing? What have you been working on? You haven't ah, put anything out since then. That was 2020. That was 2019. That was four years ago. Yeah. I don't even like Show Min- us the goods. I don't even like Minish Cap. Do that too. Fuck. I like Minish Cap. That was fun. The Sky Temple's tight. <laughs> Nick, most anticipated, unannounced thing. I would like to see Monolith Soft's next game. Uh, they've shown concept art a few years ago. 
they are at a pace now where they're putting out these gigantic RPGs about every two years. And since uh, Xenoblade 3 came out last year, I think that there is a fair likelihood that if their next game is not like a Xenoblade X port, then it's going to be an announcement that their next big RPG, not a Xeno game, like their next fantasy RPG is going to be coming out probably 2025. But they might hold off on that until they have a new console announced. It's pretty amazing how much quality that studio is churning out and how quick they're doing it. It's it's yeah. honestly unprecedented. It's ridiculous. That'd be cool. I I don't want to... Uh, okay, listen. We all know that I want to see Let's Go 2. We all know I want to see a Switch Pro. So let me hit you with a fucking curveball. Chris, this is for you. I want to see a proper ground-up 0 to 100 remake of Mario 64 so that I can experience that game properly and 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 really truly evaluate whether that game is actually good because on the N64 it is not. Give me a Mario 64 fucking remake. How do you feel about that game, Nate? Uh yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's a really great game. It's it's one of the goats. It's goaded. Oh man! You mentioned the controller earlier, but like I, I feel like that game when the when the sixty four first came out, I mean they packaged it for a reason because like this is the thing that this is the game that's going to get you used to this controller, and it's a goofy ass fucking controller. But once you fucking get acclimated to it, and you you can forgive the goofy ass camera, you can forgive a lot of shit because it's like it's like you're connected to it, like your hands are in goo. <laughs> dude i don't know man it's like it's like a uh minority report with like the waving your hands around but it's like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> fisting this weird controller with your hands offset no, I, I love the n64 controller those thick ass handles feels good to hold and mario 64 has just s tier physics i mean games still try to reach that standard today with the way the level of control you have whether you're tiptoeing walking or running as mario is just it's great. I love it. Mario has continued to do it well. I, yeah. don't, I don't need to go back to fucking 1999 to fucking do it. You don't have to. So why remake it? Why remake perfection? Yeah, you could spend $150 and just get the uh, collection of it. I have the collection and I tried to play it again and I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I tried for this. We talked about it on this very podcast. That was maybe Chris's first time ever being on the podcast. You can play the PC port, play it in 4K60 with a right stick. Uh, Camera control. I want it to look like a modern game, not just have weird smooth edges because it's upscaled by a robot. I honestly don't think uh, 64 would like, even if they remade it, they would need to do similar to if they were to do an Oracle game, you got to package it with something else. Cause like, uh, like Link's Awakening is just not enough and neither is 64. When that collection came out, I fucking popped in 64 and I'm like, let me just get some like seven stars or whatever. I ended up at like 35 and I'm like, God damn, I keep going. Like this, this game is kind of short if you really know what you're doing and you know how to get every single fucking star. So if you were to remake 64, it would be like, uh, like FF7 small. it. Yeah. You'd have yeah, to yeah. really expand upon. It would need to be something I would like it to be if they're going to do that. Uh, all of the do it like Bowser's Fury. All of these little like pocket worlds are fleshed out a little bit more. And there's a traversal element of getting from one to the other. There's stars you could get in between them. 
and then add, you know, d- different kinds of like boss or enemy encounters to not like pad it, but to give more variety to the stuff you're doing. Like instead of, you know, uh, King Bomb-Omb's just like chilling on uh, Bomb-Omb Valley or whatever the fuck the level's called, I don't remember. Um, Bomb Battlefield, my dude. Battlefield, it's alliterative. <laughs> I might, I should have guessed. Uh, that he, you know, every star... Every star you get, he gets a little bit bigger. Uh, and if you if you don't go fight him right away, then he gets. I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. But and he hires Koopa the Quick to harass you, and there's a deep a deep lore to Koopa the Quick. So now I'm thinking I want to play Super Mario Brothers three, but in Mario sixty four engine. Like 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 let's let's remake Mario three and make those three D worlds. You know? Let's make a new two D game that doesn't look like the last thirty two D games. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm here for that. I am definitely here for that. Um, so is that your think? Is that your thing that you ex- that you think you'll see as opposed to your want to see EJ? I think we will get a new Mario game in the next direct. Yeah, I think we will. And 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 as much as I I did the deep dive on the NPD groups and was 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 playing with numbers and trying to you know I, I really believed in my heart of hearts that we're just we're we're just due for a, a Donkey Kong game, uh, which is why you know it's in my uh, unannounced slot in the in the fantasy critic league but uh now it's it, it's mario before donkey kong i'd i would be shocked if it were the other way around so they can save donkey kong for the donkey kong movie stop it four years from now yeah switch needs a finisher it needs a finisher to cross the line um and at this point it's like ugh, just, they've done everything so here's the kingdom was the finisher well i um, hope two of the biggest zelda games ever made odyssey 2 yeah, I would love that. I loved Odyssey. Odyssey was good. I didn't like Odyssey, but I would like a part two. <laughs> you didn't like? Okay, so now I know why Chris doesn't like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just sold Odyssey too. Thirty-five bucks. Bye, bye, bye. Nope, I didn't. I didn't love it either. But I will play Odyssey too. I will. It was a good time. I just didn't love it. I had fun, and I liked the the little the hidden stars, achievements, and all that kind of shit. But um, I just didn't feel like I wanted to go back into it. I don't know. Yeah, I've never touched it in six years. I've never gone back to finish the moons. There's something about like, and me who loves 64 that feels like, you know, you're in floating sandboxes and it's like, obviously there's like dead zone in every direction. That's still an odyssey. Like, even though these like are really cool levels, but you get to the edge of the level and you're like, oh, that's just artwork everywhere. And um, it, it, I, I feel like I could see behind Disneyland and I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel I don't feel like I did before. I just feel like it's as immersive as it can be. I don't think that Odyssey. Um, I just don't think it like I just it just felt like a video game like Mario 64 doesn't feel like a video game to me. Um, neither does Super Mario Sunshine for some reason, even though that's not really a great game, but like it still has this kind of feel to it. I don't know how to describe it. So these are things that. They're just things that I that I respond to, I guess. But like, it just didn't. Odyssey did not. A galaxy didn't do the same for me either. Like, uh, it's it, which I know does a lot for people. People love Galaxy, but it just it just feels too much like a video game. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I guess I'm trying to sort of read between the lines a little bit. Is it, is there like a level of immersion that that you experience with something like 64 that you that you are 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 chasing with some of these modern games that you're not getting? Uh. Possibly, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just kind of maybe, maybe I grew out of Mario games. I love Mario games and I play them, but like now that they, I don't see them the same way anymore. Anymore, 
So that even when I played, which is really good too, is Super Mario 3D World. But those are floating, those are floating fucking uh, jungle gyms too. I think I know what happened. I think World of Warcraft broke your brain. That is what happened between the last Mario game you truly loved and it's funny because when I was describing the uh the, I was thinking of the city level and you go to the edge and you could see like fake city in the distance. Yeah. They did that in WoW too, where like they tried to artificially expand to make it look like there's plenty of planet out there, but in reality you're just sitting on this giant fucking island plateau and it's like, oh it's, right. it's just a drawing back there. That's just me. It's I mean, I, I give Odyssey all the credit it gets. It's you know, it for me it's a nine. I do know it's a 10 for most people, but dude, only Nintendo fans can sit here giving a game a nine and being disappointed with it. I feel that <laughs> so viscerally when you just said that oh, it's a nine, but I didn't really like it. I'm like, yep, that's, that's the Nintendo fan in me. <laughs> oh no. All right, Nick, what do you expect? What do I expect? Um, probably a shadow drop for the Splatoon three DLC, either a shadow oh. drop or like, and it's out next week kind of thing. Okay. Summertime, that's when they did Octo Expansion. It's been long enough since that game came out. They probably want to push it a little bit more. It's pretty light summer season. They really only have what Pikmin announced. So yeah, they could put that out before Pikmin comes out. Easy. Man, they they have an empty slate moving forward. So either it's going to be a a real 2017 end to the year, or we're in for a really big direct. Chris, do you expect Metroid? Do you expect it? Uh, I do, actually, in all seriousness. Not necessarily anything on prime four but i think that uh we're either gonna see um we're not gonna get a shadow drop of prime two but i think that they will announce that uh potentially um that it's being remastered uh or three uh or we get a trailer for four or uh, samus returns uh you know up port to the switch to play in like the dread engine um i don't know i yeah I do think, yeah, well, I know. I liked it. I would love to play that game for my Metroid timeline run as soon as uh uh as soon as Zero Mission comes to the uh not virtual console, but you know, virtual NSO. console. Yeah, exactly. Um I would love to not have to play that game on three DS, but I do I do I did like it and I would like to play it again. Um but I do expect that we're gonna see something, uh given the success that the remaster had and how well it scored. It's like one of the best reviewed games of the year. Uh, like maybe the second highest reviewed game of the year behind only Tears of the Kingdom so far. Uh, I'd be, I think they'd be nuts not to announce something. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't even think about it. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, it's coming. But like, we're at the end of the switch cycle. So it's, it should, now's the time or you're not coming. Um, what do you expect, Nate? Um, I don't know. Like, like I said, I have no fucking idea. Like I, I do. I, I, I think there is a, there is a finisher. I feel like there's, we've been getting like these sudden releases over the last like few years of like, Whoa, what the fuck? We music y'all been working on that. Like it just random <laughs> shit will come out. And then and it's like, Oh yeah, it's coming out in three months. Like, or it comes out today on download as soon as this direct is over. And so it's like, I think there's something like that. Don't know what it is. It, I honestly think it's Odyssey too. I mean, it, it could just do what they did to breath of wild and just put, that Mario and other shit like they did with Galaxy 2. Okay, if we end the Switch's life cycle, which we're coming to an end at some point in the near future, it has to end, right? So if we end with Odyssey 2, what do we begin the next generation with? What do they have left? Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. You think, I mean, they're still developing courses for the one that came out 10 years ago. 
<laughs> yeah. To keep people engaged with Mario Kart until they put out the actual sequel on the next gen Switch for $70. Yes, thank you. I will take 50 million of those. <laughs> Maybe that's what's right in front of our face is like there's nothing after July, like absolutely nothing announced after July. Maybe it's literally right in front of our face that we're getting the 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 Switch 2. And they're like, here's here's it's a 2D too. Mario launch title. Metroid Prime 4 is going to be a launch. Here's a trailer. Uh, I mean, why the fuck not? Like, there's nothing on the calendar. Even Odyssey came out in, like, mid-October. That was a solid, like, late-year release that first I year the Switch that, was yeah. out. And they had, two, they had two really fucking good games that first year in Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. That was October. Mario Kart Ultimate. That's what the next one's going to be. It's going to be every single course that they've ever done. Smash Kart right. Racing. Smash Kart Racing. Mario Kart Infinite. Mario yeah. and Friends. Mario Kart and Friends. I don't know. I don't care what you call it. Just give me a Brin Star map. Let me drive it's, the fucking gunship. It's gun still going to be called Mario Kart. Mario Kart is a brand in and of itself. Like, they're not going to rename the game, but it's going to have more characters. They've already broken that seal by putting, like, Isabel and Inklings and, and Link. It definitely opens the possibilities of fresh, new course ideas and and you know if we're talking shticks like Mario Kart Eight had the anti grav like you could introduce shticks just based on the different franchises we're visiting yeah ink on the Splatoon track that makes you like drift out if you hit it or right God, give I don't me know. a fucking laser on the front of my car on all the Metroid maps you know branching paths on the Star Fox one you got to go to Sector Z if you want the true ending <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or your cart literally switches it to a tank did. yeah like come on. <laughs> Entering all-terrain mode. Oh! All-terrain mode. I played Star Fox the other night. I, I needed a little break from Zelda. That's what I was thinking. They just, because they f- they fucked up every single Star Fox after 64. Like, they just can't yes. fucking, they yes. can't fucking iterate on it. No matter what they do, it just ends up not being good. You know, all these great ideas. So, get just go fucking back to the beginning and just like. Oh, make, I remember what you said. Yeah, it's like remake Star Fox and Star Fox 2, but in like. You know, you know how like in a kind of Link's Awakening, how the, how that looks, but just make makes make the classic gameplay, but with like really crisp, really next gen graphics. You know, four playable characters that have different skills yes. and approach yes, yes, yes. like on Macbeth. Falco's like fuck a tank, like I'm gonna fly my yeah, we talked and, about it. yeah, and I'm gonna do it visually and yeah, Slippy like he gets different like he he's a mecha- the mechanic, so he gets like different mechanical perks that he could pick up like mid mid-level that the others can't get like do that yes and it's a roguelike and it's like hades oh but you have different pilots instead of different weapons and you get different ship upgrades and you're traveling through corneria the star system lilat it's just galaga it's galaga <laughs> holy shit i'm in <laughs> Roguelike Star Fox. That's that's my that's my that's my hot pitch. I'm I'm in, dude. I, it should not be hard to make a good Star Fox game, and they've spent 20 years not being able to do it. 25 years or whatever, 20 years. And we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago because we did our franchise tier list, and Chris was very adamant that he was moving Star Fox up despite it having a single good game. Uh, Star Fox Two, I guess, if if uh, you want to count that 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 key, that got localized uh, a few years ago, but it shouldn't be hard, and they have not been able to figure out how to do it so i'm i'm all on board give me some motherfucking star fox yeah talk about chasing a fucking something like it's just been heartbreak after heartbreak i even fucking i remember like all right reluctantly opening star fox wii u plugging it in 
I'm going to get these controllers down. Okay, I got it down. This is really not fucking fun at all. Did you uh, play the, the remake on 3DS? Uh, I don't think I did. I, I, I had it. I don't know what the fuck happened to it, but uh, I never played it. A lot of fun. Really competent remake. It's just, I, bet. I mean, listen, third time's a charm. I mean, they've remade that game three times and it can't be, or they've made the game three times, so it can't be. It don't miss. Yeah. yeah 3DS it's, it's is a remake so machine and then, and, and, and then they can, they do well. I like Ocarina of Time remake. It's a goddamn shame that we have to suffer through the circle pad to play anything. Dude, okay, when Smash came out and it was a few months ahead of the Wii U version and there were these crazy mods going around where you could like splice in a GameCube controller into the back of your 3DS and I I was like aggressively trying to pursue someone who would take custom orders and do that for me but everyone was filled up because everybody obviously wanted this mod. I still regret not having done that. Yeah, it was amazing, dude. People were actually playing Smash 3DS with a GameCube controller. Just fucking spectacular. But anyway, fuck that console. Uh, I showed Sarah our franchise tier list literally last night, and she's like, what's at the bottom? Because we watched a video of a guy who had, uh, his holy grail was a virtual boy, and he got this beautiful clean box virtual boy on this this video we watched, and um, we talked about it, and I said, oh, yeah, it's on the bottom of our tier list, and I pulled up the tier list, and I said, it's actually in its own tier, and she's like, wait, what's below that? And I said, oh, it's the 3D. That's <laughs> the worst console ever made. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a take on that. I I it's got some good games on it and I do know how to make the three day work for me when I'm not playing something that have to have to do all this bullshit, but, um, it's, uh, it's, I don't like playing it. That's the story of the three DS. As Nick said, it's great despite itself. And I agree. I agree with that. Has great games that would be better on literally any other platform, including the virtual boy. <laughs> Nate, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, this was fun. We talked for fucking ever. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. We'll uh, we'll get you back on to to unearth some hot takes as you listen. You just keep a, a running tally because, uh, I mean, Chris and I's relationship we've we've joked about it before, but it's like it's like that Gordon Ramsay meme where it's like you fucking donkey, and then it's yeah. like texting each other <laughs> privately, and it's like oh sweet dear, come here. <laughs> like it's quite the dichotomy. I mean, y'all three are just like uh, like. Uh, different fucking flavors of ice cream and it, uh, y'all all three y'all working together is a, is, a, is a fun listen so keep doing your thing thanks bud keep being yourselves thank you especially thank if you. i don't agree with most of your shit <laughs> <laughs> i gotta say nick's my favorite flavor of ice cream and on that note <laughs> this has been the consequence podcast i'm gonna lick you up boy <laughs> <laughs> He's going for a kiss thing with the lick it up. Oh, lick it up. <laughs> <laughs>